Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 278 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. We're back already. It feels like we just did a show a couple days ago. I guess actually it has been like two business days since we did uh, episode 277, uh, but we're trying to get back on our normal every Tuesday schedule, and so we're here, and the good news is it's November. So we have plenty of games to talk about today. Alongside me to do that is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? Not much. Are we confusing the Europeans by being an hour early today? <laughs> oh, that's right, because do they not have the daylight savings no. stuff? Really? Not even every state has daylight savings. I didn't realize that. What states do not have it? Arizona doesn't. I'm okay with this one, where you get the extra hour of sleep. I'm done with a change, yeah, but I would rather we go daylight savings, like the summertime forever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's really no reason for it, right? If there is, no one's been able to figure yeah, no. it out. <laughs> Why did it ever start? I don't get it. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of uh, weird... I don't think anyone fully knows. Like, there's that whole farmer <laughs> thing, but no, there's no... There's, like, the farmer explanation doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not a thing anybody needs. Um, so there's, there's theories, but nobody really knows exactly why. Um, it seems like maybe they did it just so people didn't have to drive to work in the dark. I mean, that's some of the, the, <laughs> the stuff today that, you know, people say, oh, I don't want to do that because otherwise it's dark when I don't, well, it's dark when you leave. Right. So yeah. who ca- Like, how about the fact that like, we're spending so much time at work, we never see the sun at a certain time of year. How about we talk about that, <laughs> that instead of moving the time around? That has been happening to me. Mm-hmm. I'll wake up, it'll be dark out, and I'll work all day. The sun will go down, it'll be dark again before I quit. Yeah. Well, by the you know about a month, it's going to be pretty dark out out there by the time we finish this. It's show. true. Yeah, start getting dark because there's a you know in mid by mid December it's dark around four thirty here. Yeah, I went to a wedding on Saturday night, and. I was very happy that I got an extra hour of sleep because I had had a couple mm. drinks and I wanted to get up and watch football, which starts at 10 a.m. here, people. Um, and so I got an extra hour of sleep before I had to get up and watch football, which was nice. Um, but yeah, there's not really a strong argument for daylight savings to stick around. And it seems like there is a groundswell of people trying to eliminate it. So uh, I guess uh, Europe fell back previously. Oh, uh, so they are on the normal schedule then. Mm-hmm. Nox Aeternitis, 1970s Energy Crisis. That's not true. That's, this goes way back before the 70s. Oh, McWomble. It started with the Victorians who wanted people to enjoy the longer days in the summer. Nothing to do with farmers. Yeah, I don't know where the farmer thing came from, but that's the explanation you usually see online these days. Mm-hmm. It's not true. No. Any farmer will tell you that's not true. They don't <laughs> care. Cows don't care what time it is. <laughs> They'll still give up the milk. Yeah, the sun doesn't change. They, they, they know where they are. Uh, well, we are back. It's only been a couple days since we last did a show. And the way some people watch Game Face, some people may not have even watched the last episode mm-hmm. in full. It's a lot of, there are three-hour shows, so some people break it up. They'll listen to it like on their morning walk, and they'll listen to 20 minutes at a time. Uh, so you're going to have a nice backlog of Game Face. And again, as I said at the show open, there are plenty of games to play right now. In fact, I had to tell Matt like to hold off on one of them, and we'll cover it next week because uh, we have enough for the show already. Also, some crazy weird stuff happened in the last few days. We're going to tackle that stuff, and we have a couple big games to get to as well. Uh, any housekeeping that I got? I don't think so. Um, Ask Shane Anything went great, uh, so thank you very much. I know I asked in the last episode for people to show up, and they did. Uh, I think we had five or six different people on the show this time. Uh, the show is up for our patrons. It is up at Patreon. It's up at Sifted.net. Uh, and if you're a YouTube All Access member, you got it as well. Uh, 50 minutes, really good conversation, like, I don't know, like six or seven different questions, uh, which hasn't happened for quite a while. So ask Shane anything saved. 
Great job, guys. We'll have one more of those in December before we take off for the holidays. And Matt, I just realized we've only got like four or five episodes left of Game Face mm-hmm. before the year's over. Um, we'll have our, our Game of the Year episode, which is always kind of the last one we do before Matt and I leave for the holidays. Uh, and leading up to that, we've got like four or five regular episodes of Game Face. Um, it also looks good as far as how the games are spaced out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have at least one or two big games for every episode until we're done, which is also good news. I also just got an invite to the Elden Ring uh, technical test that they're about to do, and I'm very excited about that. We're going to talk about that game on the show today uh, because they showed off a huge chunk of gameplay. Uh, we're going to talk about Call of Duty Vanguard, which so last after the show last week, I was talking about how I had not got review code, and that was weird, and it is still weird, but... When I got home, it was in my inbox. Mm. So I don't know if they were watching the show and they're like, crap, we forgot to send it to Shane. But I tend to not believe that because there are hardly any reviews for it out there. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen any real critics saying much. Like, it sounds like everybody got it late. Yeah. Like, it seems like GameSpot, IGN, Game Informer, that may have been it. Mm. Or, like, the sites that got it early. And then their reviews came in all piecemeal. Like, IGN did a separate Zombies review, did a separate campaign review, did a separate multiplayer review, which I'm not a huge fan of, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I don't want to count on kind of stringing the fans along and hoping that they're going to keep jumping from one video to the the next to keep getting everything about a game. You're not going to have to do that with Game Face today. We're going to tackle all three elements of Call of Duty Vanguard on today's show. And in fact, that is the first topic for today's show. I question The Vanguard, you might say. Well, yeah. I question whether I should put this first because Call of Duty is such a weird game in our industry. It's the biggest game in the industry, mm. but otaku kind of hate it. <laughs> and let's be honest, our audience is pretty much otaku, the hardest of the hardcore. Um, I still enjoy playing. Well, we'll get to that. I generally still enjoy like playing. Anime Call of fans? Duty. What'd you say? Anime fans? Anime fans. Otaku. What about it? Otaku means is like a term for anime fans. Well, it's also a term for like hardcore gamers in Japan. Well, otaku just means hardcore anything in Japan, but yeah. in English we usually mean hardcore anime. Person. Yeah. Well, otaku like, in Japan is pretty much accepted that you're like a hardcore gamer if someone calls you otaku. That's not what that means. It I mean, means, that's where Kotaku came from. Right, but it, otaku literally just means super fan. No, I understand the direct translation of it, mm-hmm. but it's used almost always in the context of gamers. Mm, Why are we debating this? This is settled law. (laughs) It's it's really not. We've literally talked about this like a thousand times on Game Face. And now today, for some reason, you seem to be pushing back on it. I don't remember you bringing up the word otaku Oh, I've mentioned it a million times. Anyway, our audience... That's not what that means. Okay. Anyway, our audience generally doesn't like Call of Duty, and we try to keep the discussion short. The problem is that it's hard to keep it short because there's so much to the games, which consequently is why they tend to sell really well. People get a lot of value out of them. So... I'm going to try to be brief. I know a lot of you guys are not huge Call of Duty fans, but there are some of you are. We do have some like people who are bigger Call of Duty fans than me on Sifted and at our Patreon uh, who do want to know my impressions of this because I've been reviewing Call of Duty since the beginning. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think back on all the Call of Duty games I've played. They have, I will admit, have started to all kind of blur together at this point. Yeah, I couldn't name all of them yeah. now if you had a gun With to With all head. the subtitles. Particularly the last, like, three or four have really blended Before, together. It's more the, 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 like, the 2013 to 2016 stretch. Like, I'm real hazy on those. Yeah. Well, the last few have been, like, 
we're now we're going back to World War One. Now we're going back to World War Two again. Um, there hasn't been anything unique in a long time for Call of Duty because every time they try to do something different, people reject mm-hmm. it. Obviously, Advanced Warfare, one of our favorite Call of Duties ever. Most people hated it. Yeah. It had the jetpacks. It had like the sci-fi stuff. Infinite Warfare. Infinite Warfare. Or wait, yeah, Infinite War. Infinite, Infinite Warfare See? was sci-fi. I, Advanced I just, Warfare. <laughs> Advanced Warfare did have sci-fi stuff in it, but yeah. not like. Infant Warfare was like Halo. Shit. I just made my point for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's that like, it's that stretch of like ghosts and advanced warfare and all that. I just can't keep any of it straight. Yeah, um, and the last few have all been. Because I didn't play a lot of them either. Like, yeah. for until much later. Till like, I played Ghosts when it was like five dollars for a copy from yeah. Amazon. But like I didn't. I don't care about Call of Duty at this point. Yeah, like I once in once uh, uh, Modern Warfare three disappointed me as bad as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much stopped paying attention yep. uh, I played Infinite Warfare because that's my shit but um, me yeah, I didn't buy I, cu- I couldn't justify buying this I mean to me that's the best Call of Duty for a long time that's the best one since Modern Warfare 2 and it sold me. the worst yep <laughs> I mean, it is a big departure. Like, yeah. so I get like maybe why it wouldn't have been yeah. as popular. But like in terms, of, and I play the multiplayer much at all. But in terms of campaign, like that's the most interesting thing they've ever done. Well, the multiplayer too. You had jetpacks. Yeah. And the problem was all the kids who had been playing Call of Duty all that time were like, I can't handle the jetpacks, and my KD isn't where it usually is, so I'm going to go whine. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And so they changed it back to a more traditional game, and. Vanguard, to segue into what we're about to discuss, is another one of those kind of traditional games. Um, As I said, we're going to talk about each part of it. We're going to start off with the campaign. Um, I used to really look forward to Call of Duty campaigns. Mm -hmm. Like, really look forward to them. Because they always seem to, like, push the envelope. You... For a long time, you always wondered, like, okay, like, what's going to be in this one? Is there going to be some crazy thing, like, no Russian that's just going to, like shock you and end up shocking the world when you're finally able to talk about it. Um, I feel like the campaigns in this franchise have really kind of lost their allure to the point where we had a Black Ops game that didn't have a campaign at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this one does have one. It follows, well, at first it follows six super soldiers who are forming up to become the world's first ever special forces team that includes soldiers from multiple countries instead of just one. So Rainbow Six. Yeah, pretty much. Well, it starts out with six, and it's very quickly pared down to four. I'm not going to share mm-hmm. what happens to, to where we you lose two of them, um, but very quickly it turns into four. And each of the characters, they're all from somewhere different. There's like a, a sniper girl from Russia. Um, there's a guy from North Africa. There's a guy from, I believe, Scotland. Um, and they all have, like, their own specific things that they can do. So, like, the female sniper can, like, pull out her knife and create, like, a fake glint to get snipers to shoot the knife instead of shooting her. Um, one of the characters has the ability to command his the, the forces so he can instruct them on what to do. And there's a whole buildup in the campaign where he takes over the, the troop after their captain dies and they decide he's the leader, and then all of a sudden he has these leadership capabilities that really amount to like nothing other than, hey, there's a tank, everybody shoot that tank. You just tap up on the D-pad or whatever to instruct them on what you want to do. And there's these context-sensitive things that pop up. There's not much mystery to it at all, honestly. Um, but anyway, you play each of these characters. So you start at the beginning, and they're all together. And then something happens, and you lose two of them, again, which I'm not going to spoil. 
Um, and then there's just the four left. And then you start playing as each one of them separately in their own little mini campaign. And I do say mini campaign because each one of them is probably 45 minutes to an hour long. Um, and you get to know the soldiers. You get to, you get to learn their special ability and how to use it and the, the best context to use it. Um, and then at the end, they all come together after you've learned what each of them can do, and they all come together to fight together in like for the final stretch of the campaign. The campaign itself, about four and a half, five hours long, not very difficult, other than the fact that they a lot of times they don't give you a lot of um, direction on what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, so there's like a stealth section in the campaign, and they just throw you out into the woods into the dark, and they're like, and they don't tell you to do anything. And so you have to run like six different directions before you figure out the direction the game wants you to run. And that is one thing about this franchise that has been that way for a long time is there's they try to give you the illusion of player choice. Oh, you don't have to go this way. You can go around and you can flank or whatever. Anytime you try to do that, in this campaign especially, it's a disaster. You can just tell that there are very specific ways that they want you to run through the level. And for the most part, it's pretty easy to stay on the trail. Um, but like I said, some of the sections where they ask you to like do stealth or things like that, they don't give you much instruction, and you just get annihilated in a second because the whole experience is tuned to that cattle shoot that they expect you to run down. Um, and that is it's very inflexible. There's really not a lot of leeway to kind of play the campaign how you want to. None of this, though, is... Big news for anyone who's played a lot of Call of Duty. Let's just be honest. It's been that way for quite a while. Um, it's really linear. There's no choice in this. What, what really bothers me about these campaigns, Matt, is that I remember Black Ops 2. Remember all the stuff that Black Ops 2 did? Mm-hmm. It had player choice that actually affected the story. It had multiple endings. It had that crazy, like almost like real-time strategy component, component to it. Mm-hmm. And since then, they, it, it, again, to what we were saying before we really got into the, talking about this game, every time they try to do something different, people reject it or freak out about it. Like, I thought Black Ops 2 was amazing, and it got great reviews. Um, higher than Black Ops 1, if I remember correctly. And there's a bug, you can see. <laughs> it's, yeah, the code, the code isn't as clean in this as you might be used to with a Call of Duty game as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's crazy linear. It's crazy scripted. There's always stuff blowing up around you. You're always getting, like, put in these positions where almost like monster closets where enemies just pop out. Like, here, you jump down into the sub. Oh, there's a dude right there. Mm-hmm. Or you open the Even door. Even though you'd just thrown a grenade down there. Right, yep. Or you open the door. Oh, there's three dudes standing right on the other side of the door. It does kind of use some of Doom's cheaper tactics um, as far as, you know, displaying enemies and introducing enemies to the player. Um, the cinematics in this are CG, which is odd because mm. the the real time visuals are fine. Which generally to me says like, hey, we didn't have time to do the cinematics in the engine, so we're gonna pay some outside source to create them. And um, they do look better than the real time graphics, but not by a lot. Um. The step up isn't all that large, so which which again leads me to believe that yeah they had to just pay someone to get the cinematics done. Remember there were rumors about this game like not coming together, mm-hmm. and Treyarch had to come in and finish the zombies mode because that wasn't going to be done in time. Is this Sledgehammer in the lead? Or? It's like everybody, it's everybody. Like when you start this game, like eight studios pop up <laughs> on the screen. I was like, so who actually did most of the heavy lifting on this? I don't know, 
I do know that Treyarch is responsible pretty much 100% for the zombies mode. Um, but the campaign and the multiplayer, it seems like your guess is as good as anyone's on who actually was the lead on that stuff um, and who just kind of pitched in. But again, when you boot up the game, like eight studios flash across the screen. Um, what else is there to say? Oh, just a quick rundown of the four operatives. The, the guy from North Africa is an explosives expert. One guy's a paratrooper and one guy's a pilot. And one dude's thing, Matt, is that he can carry a lot of grenades. <laughs> Literally, that's his thing, that he can carry a lot of grenades. Um, the pilots, I think, is the worst of them all because you actually pilot planes. And, like, they give you – it's like you feel like you're not even playing it because the auto-aim is just constantly locking on to the other planes. It, you feel like – and a lot of this game feels that way. It feels like you're doing a lot more watching than you are playing. And mm-hmm. the, the extended, lengthy – Cinematics, the CG cinematics don't help with that at all. Um, a lot of times the conversations in this just run on and on. And it's pretty well written, I'll say that. And One of these days, games are going to figure out that you can't get shot that far under the water. Yeah, how, how far will bullets go before they... Barely. Hitting, hitting water at that speed is like hitting concrete because of the density oh, right. of water. That's true. So basically, if They'll you're, skip if, off you're more than, if you're more than like... They shatter. They, they disintegrate. Yeah. So if, if you're more than about an inch underwater... Bullet's not going to hit you. Interesting. Um, I didn't think it was that shallow. Cinema is water is very hard. That's why you don't want to hit it too hard when you're jumping. You know. Yeah. That would have been a very painful landing, right yes. there. Yes. Well, he would have uh, died. Yeah. Let's be honest. Bro- at least broken, <laughs> broken their ankles. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like whenever you see in, in movies, like people getting like shot like that, like there's not a lot of bullet. I mean, maybe like a 50 cal. Could could do that, but yeah. like, but even then, that, that at that velocity, you're hitting it even harder, and it's even more like hitting concrete. So, uh, if you if you're getting shot at, and you're you're in a river, dive dive, and you won't you, get hit. You will survive. Yeah. Interesting. Don't um, don't believe what Activision's lies have told you. <laughs> now you might wonder: Are these scenarios based upon things that really happened, or are they based on real people that were in the war, famous heroes from the war? Mm-hmm. So not. this is all World War II. It is, yeah, yeah. and they're not. Um, the locations and the battles that these scenarios take place in are real, mm-hmm. and the times are real, and stuff like that. And it does follow the general course of the war. But there wasn't like a, an Avengers team, no. That, that <laughs> and there definitely wasn't a team like that that was made up of people from four different countries mm-hmm. who all have who all complement each other perfectly. With I mean, their it looks specialties. nice. Like, it is. I, I admire the lighting stuff on the guns and things. Yeah, like, I'm torn. It's a little, on it. it's a little one color. Yeah, but like, you know, the, the flashes lighting up the room. I mean, it looks nice. Like, I don't, it doesn't make me want to play it, but like, it feels like they put effort into the visuals at least. I'm, I'm torn on it. I don't know if the art design does it any favors, but I do think uh, it looks nice from a technical point of view. I'm torn. I saw some chugging in the rain yeah. in, that first, in that first scene. There are some moments where the game looks really good, and there are some moments where it looks almost bad as well. Um, I'll say this. like The environments are really cluttered, and there's a lot of detail, and it's all modeled and rendered, and you know they're not like using textures to make something look like something. They're actually modeling it. Um, and there's lots of stuff to shoot that will go flying in the air. So in that, in that way, it looks pretty good, but... This is this footage is on PS5. Um, I guess I just expect more, Matt. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just way out of bounds on that. Maybe my expectations for what we're going to get. I think you are. Is... I don't really know what else you want from a Call of Duty game that has to be multi multi generational. Like this looks real good to me. I mean, it doesn't look pretty in yeah. terms. Like doesn't it's not an attractive 
game that makes me want to play it. It's brown and and you know it's like it's ugly, but technically it looks good to me. Like I I'm definitely seeing lighting effects and stuff on the barrel of the gun and and then in the the flashing and lighting up the room and stuff and lighting up the other characters that like you just couldn't do last gen. Yeah. Um, the multiplayer does run at 120 frames per second mm. and stuff is obviously cut down the detail and everything's chopped down a good bit for that to get it to run at that. Um, the campaign, actually, I'm not even sure if you can set it to run at 120. I don't think so though. Cause you mentioned there were a couple points in that rain scene on the train, mm-hmm. uh, where it does buckle a little bit. Is there like a quality versus performance yeah. choice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can choose in the multiplayer. I haven't looked to see if you can choose for the campaign. So I, I honestly I honestly just don't know that. Um, but it is a typical roller coaster ride. You, there are people who have not played 20 Call of Duty campaigns who will find this a lot more fun than I did. Um, but if you if you're like most of our audience and you've been playing Call of Duty games for a long time, there's really not much that happens in this that you're going to be like, oh wow, that that really switches things up or that really changes. There's, it's also, I mean, Matt, if you really want to see a windmill on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like they got that. <laughs> they nailed that. And Matt also, I feel like the punches have been pulled in this. Like I was saying earlier about things like no rush in and how a lot of games will have like some scene in them where you're like, Oh my gosh, this game, like there's a scene where, you know, stuff is really, really bad that is happening and they cut away. And there's another one where they dip to black. Like, usually these games show it mm. almost to the point where you're like, whoa, like, did you really need to show that? This one, not so much, man. Like, they really, I felt like, dialed back on the shock and the gore. Now, there are moments where, like, you just shoot someone in the head and their head just disappears and blood starts squirting out of their neck. But, like, as far as the, like, really, like, morally kind of repugnant stuff where you're like, oh, and then you eventually say, well, that's war. There's not a lot of that in this. Um, I haven't been really shocked by this game in, in, I don't know, compared to other Call of Duties, that quotient's really low. Um, and maybe that's another thing that they could have done better with the visuals, but, you know, who's going to hire a gore guy just to make sure you gore the game up with all the power that you have uh, from PS5 or Xbox Series X? Seems like an odd task to assign someone to, but it's a pretty tame campaign in general. Shane, Shane demands uh, intestine physics. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of getting it in all these games now, and they're not even next-gen games. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, there always seems to be like a, a shock and awe factor to Call of Duty campaigns. And other than some stuff like this where you see like 80 dudes running on screen at the same time, it's not really there. It's all more about like, oh, well, there's a nice well. headshot. <laughs> It's really more about like, oh, wow, now we can push this many guys on screen at whatever detail we've, we've set them at. Um, but there is a lot of trial and error in the campaign. Like, you know, if you turn the wrong way, you die pretty much. And then yeah. you're like, oh, I didn't need to turn that way. I need to turn the other way. And you turn yeah, go, the other way and you live. I uh, going like playing the remastered War- Modern Warfare was like, wow, I didn't remember that. Mm-hmm. As being so, and it was I wasn't didn't have the patience for it anymore. Yeah. There was a couple times where I got pretty angry with this. The other thing about. Um, World War Two had that too. Yeah, was it I, did. I just got tired of, of like trying to guess which way they wanted me to go and then dying when I chose yeah. wrong. Like, yeah, I mean, it's there's trial and error. There's no doubt yeah. about it. This game has a lot of it too. I'm um, like this scene, like if you try to hide behind the the tanks for cover, if you're in the middle of the tanks, you get shot. If you're on the right side of the tanks, you get shot. If you're on the left side of the tanks, you're fine. Like, but the game doesn't tell you that, mm. and so you die a couple times until you figure out exactly where they want you to go. 
Um, that happens a yeah. lot in this game. And maybe there was a time when I was more like, oh, I guess I just don't know how to behave in a war oh, right. kind of thing. <laughs> and now I'm just like, no, I think this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And the checkpoints, too, they take you back a lot farther than a lot of Call of Duty games if you die. Hmm. Um, there's a couple like there's a couple where I die where I literally died and just immediately respawn because there'll be something that happens, like a huge rush of enemies or something. Um, and so you're like, okay, like I, they put a checkpoint here because they know a lot of people are going to die here. But if you die in a spot where they don't really anticipate a lot wow, of people Wow, that was dying, weird. What? The the two enemies like kind of popped over the, the, the cover, yeah. but they didn't... Recognize ro- it. They didn't like jump over it so much as they sort of like... like like boinged up over it. That There's was a- weird stuff in this. Like you saw the shot earlier where the guy is just kind of suspended in midair. Uh, the mm-hmm. multiplayer has all kinds of weird bugs like that. Um, where enemies just, the physics get screwed up with the geometry and the game doesn't know what to do. Whoa. <laughs> there was another one. Yeah. Yeah, it has anomalies that a lot of these games don't have. Uh, but it does have a campaign, which isn't a given anymore in yeah. Call of Duty. But I would say this. It's like... If this is why you're thinking about or or planning on maybe not buying Call of Duty, don't. I mean, this this should not determine it. This is not worth $60. And again, it was like four hours long, four and a half hours long. It did not take me long to get through it at all, which was good because I didn't have a lot of time to play this game before this episode. Uh, so it worked out as far as getting through it before it was time to talk about it on Game Face. Um, but four and a half hours, five hours, if that's what you're buying it for, no, no. way. Not worth it. And this is not a game you're going to find on Game Pass or any place where you can get no, it cheaper at a discount. So, um, yeah, for I think for most people, if you're not going to play multiplayer, you're not going to play zombies, you're not into Warzone, don't buy it for the campaign. Um, and honestly, like, you're not missing much. Just go watch it on YouTube. <laughs> I hate to ever say that, but this is a perfect example of a game I have no problem if you go and watch the campaign on YouTube because... Asking someone to spend 60 bucks for four and a half hours or five hours, that's insane to me. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who don't play multiplayer. As you said on last week's episode, you know, a lot of people get intimidated by it or just get their bus kicked and don't want anything to do with it. Um, and so if you're one of those people who buy this, these games for the campaign, I would definitely steer clear. Um, all right, let's move on to multiplayer. Multiplayer, Matt, I hate it. Yeah. I really do. I don't like anything that they've done. That changed from mm. last year's game. Um, the The movement is clunky and slow. Um, clamoring is slow. Figuring out whether you can clamor over something is a crapshoot. So mm. really the big change for the multiplayer, and this is kind of where we're at at this point with Call of Duty multiplayer in 2021, is that there's lots of doors and shutters and windows that you can open and close. That's like the big thing. Or you can shoot or bash and create lanes to shoot through. That stuff is cool. Like finding a spot to kind of camp and then just kind of popping a hole through like a shutter or whatever and then sticking your gun out the hole. Like that stuff's cool. But when you're running and someone's shooting at you and you're trying to get inside or you can hear a kill streak coming down in the sky and you're trying to get inside, figuring out whether you can get through a window or not is completely random. You could have someone have busted out the whole shutter and there's one little piece of a plank sticking up from the bottom of the window frame and that will keep you from climbing in the window. It is infuriating. Hmm. The, other pro- the other problem is that they've put so many doors, so many different entry points in this game that you never know where people are coming from. Hmm. And if you don't have a surround sound system 
or a pair of good headphones that will show you direction, you're screwed. You have, you're at a huge advantage if you have directional audio in this because literally enemies are just constantly coming in from behind. Spawning. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Matt, yesterday I played a match where I spawned three times and there was a dude on the other team just standing there waiting for people to spawn shooting him in the head. <laughs> Four times. And there's no way to choose your spawn, to choose to spawn somewhere else. So that in conjunction with enemies just coming from anywhere. Some people may like that. I don't know why you would, but some people may. Some people may say, well, that's more realistic, which is true. I'd agree with that. Like in a real war, you don't know where people are coming from. Mm -hmm. They could come from anywhere. But when you're talking about a competitive shooter, where you're trying to organize with your teammates and create team tactics, it is very frustrating. Yeah. Well, that's also like more realistic in a sense, but also like in a real situation, you you have an objective. You're trying to get somewhere. You're not just like slowly rotating around a map of control points and like you know it's um eventually the other side runs out of people like right. it's yeah. it's uh you know a death match is not a a realistic situation yeah well um, it never is going to be but <laughs> yeah because you have people blinking into existence uh, yeah. at random places to try to keep it fair but apparently it sounds like they're not very good at that in this no the, the i mean they've always had strange you know spawn problems in call of duty this but. is the worst the wow. worst. You'd think they get better at that over time. I think part of the problem is that there are 20 maps in this game. Mm. It That's staggering. Like, best case scenario, you ask for like 12 or 14 on launch day from Call of Duty. There's 20. And they're all over the map. There are gigantic ones. There are small ones where literally you spawn in the same room hmm. as the enemy. And it's just one of those things where you're just, it's just like, okay, who can ever get their gun up fast, the fastest? Like, ends up getting the kills and there is some that can be interesting because then you can start creating other builds that are more functional for those maps like a for instance if you want to make sure that you can pull up your gun faster than anybody else you can do that um i think the problem though is that there are so many maps they have not managed to balance them all for the spawns and they had the beta but the beta had i think if i remember like seven or eight maps out of the 20 and so you know, if you didn't have a ton of players, you just had your QA people working on those other 12 maps, it's very easy to see where they would not be able to get spawns to work. And the other thing about it, Matt, is they have this other new element. So where if you just choose like a playlist, Team Death team Deathmatch, every time you play, the number of players is different. There's a word for it. I've got it here somewhere. And you can set it too. Like you can actually go back and set it. It's called a combat pacing. So some matches, there's it's 8 on 8. Some mm -hmm. is 12 on 12. Some is 21 on 21. And they, they do scale that for the maps, generally. Um, but I think that in conjunction with so many maps, with so many variances and how many players are going to be playing on those maps, because you can also just choose to say, I want to play, say you want to play 20 players on a really small map and just have this mayhem match or whatever. You could do it. And so I could see where that would be hard to balance, but I'm not doing that. I haven't mm -hmm. gone in and set up these weird scenarios to try to test the boundaries of their spawning or anything like that. I just have like a playlist set up, and Team Deathmatch is one of the playlists I play. And it's having these issues, like big time. Um, uh, you're right, there's always spawn issues in a Call of Duty game, but usually that happens in like a map or two. Mm -hmm. And you figure it out, and they figure it out. And within like two weeks, they've adjusted it, and everything's fine, mostly. This one, it's just like every match. Like there's somebody spawning behind you or you're spawning in the room with with like, there have been times, Matt, where I spawn in a room 
where the only people in the room are two or three of the enemy. And you can just see them. They're like, oh, my gosh. Like, the dude just gone, like, right in the room. And they're all scrambling trying to shoot you or whatever. It's it's really weird. Um, and because, again, the maps have so many entry points, so I end up trying to gravitate towards maps that are, like, three-lane maps, you know? Here's a base. Here's a base. Here's three lanes in between them. And you can do a lot with that and make it fun and exciting and exhilarating, and you always at least have a vague idea of the direction the enemies are coming. That's not always going to work. Sometimes when I play uh, matches on maps like that, I intentionally run along the side to get in behind the enemy. So you still get that. You'll still get people coming from behind if they're being strategic, which makes sense. You should be allowed to do that. You're burning the time to run all the way to the end of the battlefield to loop around and come in behind the enemy. That's fine. But when you're just spawning behind enemies and just getting those easy kills where they're just looking the other direction, this game is full of that stuff. Um, Pick 10 is basically the same. You can, um, when you start with each gun, you only have like three attachments you can attach. And as you keep playing with that gun and it levels up, it starts unlocking more of the attachments until you finally get out to the full 10. Um, they've done a pretty good job with the World War II technology so that when you play it, it doesn't feel like you're in like the 1940s. They've, they've managed to find ways to like work around like what the technology was that existed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the guns, I don't like how I don't like that, how the game feels at all. I don't like how the guns feel. I don't like how the running works. I don't like how the sliding works. Everything feels sluggish and delayed. And it was great in last year's game. That's one thing I really liked about last year's game. The traversal was awesome. You just really felt like you're connected to it. And in this, you just don't. Like the last year's game, like. You could literally feel when each foot hit the ground and then pushed you forward. You could feel the woof, 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 like as you ran. In this, it's just like your legs are moving and you're just moving at a speed. Like it, I don't know what they did or why they did it this way. It just does not feel good to play. The going prone takes way too long. So if like you're getting lit up and you're in the middle of a reload, you're like, I just want to go down my belly. It takes way too long, you end up getting killed. Like, I just don't like how this game feels to play at all. Um, I will say this. They did tone down aim assist a lot in multiplayer. It's not snappy. You won't see your reticle, like, just drawing. Like, sometimes you'll be scoped in. And in prior games, you'd be scoped in, and if someone would run across your view, and your gun would literally, like, follow them. Like, there's hardly any of that in this. But I would also add, if you're a player who's not all that skilled and you rely on that snappy aim assist, you're going to get your lunch eaten in this game. It, you have to be a lot better with manual aiming, and I'm totally cool with that. Um, I wish more games did it. Battlefield, honestly, 2042, has almost no aim assist. And it took me a while. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I have to actually psych these guys up instead of the game kind of doing it for me. Um, but I will say this. Like, there's tons of options. The multiplayer is feature-rich. Um, there's all these new match types uh, that we haven't had before. Um, the big one um, is called Champion Hill. It's kind of a cross between gun game and Warzone. Um, so when you start, you start with like a pistol, and as you get a kill, you get a new gun until you're, you're up into the assault rifles and blah, blah, blah. When you kill an enemy, they drop all their stuff. So that's mm-hmm. where kind of like the Warzone comes in. But it's teams of two versus two or three versus three, so the matches are quick and snappy. Uh, they aren't drawn out like a Battle Royale match would be. Um, and so I like it. It's okay. It's it's not, again, it's not something that makes it worth buying the game for. But that just kind of sets the tone for all the multiplayer modes. There are a lot of unique 
kind of modes that they've set up already. And I'm sure there's more that are going to be coming eventually. Um, what else? Oh, there's a new mode called Control where you take points, but the points move. Um, and that's good because you don't have that repetitive cycle of, like, take mm -hmm. a point. Enemy shows up, takes the point. You spawn. You run back. Okay, you take the point. the point. Oh, they took the point we just took. <laughs> so we got to go back. To, oh, now they took the point. It's just like, this is why I stopped playing multiplayer. Yeah. It's it, just it the same thing it can over be and over and over. And these points move, like, move. They don't, like, disappear and reappear somewhere else. They literally move on the map. <laughs> Which is crazy. So if you're trying, sometimes when you're trying to like take it, you're, you have to move along so you, with. They've almost so they've almost combined like control with like payload. A little bit, yeah. That's a good way to put it, actually. Yep. Um, what else? There's all kinds of customization you can do. Um, like I said, you can set up matches so that they do pretty much anything you want um, on any map that you want. Um, Blood Gulch, Warthogs only. Yeah, <laughs> I played those games before. <laughs> Uh, some oh the one thing I say about the gunsmith and the pick ten is that some of the stuff that you really want is like the last stuff to unlock. Like of course you do get like your reticle first, which is important. Like if you just want to use a red dot or something like that, that always does unlock first. But then some of the other stuff that's more crucial to actually controlling your gun, like the stuff that controls like recoil and things like that, or um, aim down sight movement and stuff like that, um, stabilizing your aim essentially, that stuff later. Before it unlocks, you have to. I think I got my gun at like eleven, level eleven or something before it finally started to like feel good. Um, and then some other important stuff that comes later is like your mag size. So a lot of the guns from World War II, they don't have big mags. It's not twenty twenty one where like you have this magazine that's like a banana clip like this long. All the guns hold like fifteen rounds. Although for some it. reason that's the icon. It is for the for the yeah. ammo. I know it is funny. Like it's basically like an like an AK forty seven. Yeah. Like so, magazine. Yeah. And so some of the biggest upgrades for me in this game with the weapons are the longer clips. Mm -hmm. Because get reloading in any of these games is like you're in peril, basically, while you're reloading. Um, and in this especially, because enemies are coming from like every 360 degree direction, uh, bursting into the rooms that you're in. You just never know where they're going to come from. Um, and I think one thing people will like is there's really no camping. You can't camp. Because there's always a window behind you or a door behind you. And sometimes you don't even notice they're there because they're shut or they haven't been broken through or yet. And you'll be standing there and you think you're safe and all of a sudden someone will just go poosh and just punch something through the window or whatever. Stick their gun in and just pop you in the head. So people who hate campers, I think maybe really like this. I can be a camper at times, mm -hmm. <laughs> depending on the map. Um, some maps is just smart to camp and just to sit up in a window or whatever and yeah, I don't people, care about that. I mean, I, I'm good at that. What, what was it? I think it was Bad Company 2. Probably the best the best I ever was at any shooter was probably Bad Company 2, um, where you could spot for other people. Yeah. So like, oh, yeah. So Abby, I forgot about that. Abby would spot yeah. people, like, over a hill, and I would just shoot with, like, the right amount of, like, because there was bullet, bullet drop. drop. So yeah. I'd raise it above just exactly. For whatever reason, I, I, the bullet drop in that game made sense to me, and I would just, from, like, across the match, boom. Boom! Like they'd all just drop, yeah. and uh, I got obscenely high scores just like doing this spotter sniper thing uh, to the point that I, it's the only shooter I've ever gotten hate hate messages. <laughs> Fighting games, plenty. That's but when like, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, I, I was starting to get messages on PSN. It's like, oh, super camper. It's like, yeah, That's yep, now we're getting it. That's when you know you're playing well. That's the really only funny. time I felt like a real a real shooter player. Yep. 
Because that is what happens. Yeah. You play well, you get nasty messages sent to you. Yeah. <laughs> by, by eight-year-olds. <laughs> um, uh, what a lot of that going around on the Virtual Fighter Five a couple months ago. <laughs> Uh, there are 12 different operators in the multiplayer, and they all look like fighting game characters, and they all right. look different, and they all have multiple costumes, but they do nothing. It doesn't matter. Mm. None of them have special abilities that set them apart from anyone else. It's just all cosmetic. But well, we can't have asymmetry. Yeah. That would that would be wrong. Yeah. So I basically just... That would be interesting, and we can't have that. <laughs> so I just choose whatever character will blend in the best on the map that mm. I'm on, basically. Or I will choose a woman because they're smaller. Mm. What was it in Goldeneye? Was it Odd Job? Odd Job. Yeah. yeah. Where you could play as him and he was like three he was feet half tall. Feet, half, half size, yeah. <laughs> and after a while you made a role like odd no one could play banned. as Odd Job. <laughs> and then like, or like people, the people that would play like kneeling. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And like you just see like Pierce Brosnan like weaving around <laughs> on one knee. Yeah. Because that made you about the same size as Odd Job. Yeah. Um, what else? I think that's pretty much it uh, for the multiplayer. Like I said, it is feature rich. Um, they, there are a lot of options in there, but that's what happens when you've been making the same game for 20 years. Yep. Like the features just pile up, and they, they just continue to struggle to find new compelling ways to change it. They find ways to change it. They're just never compelling. And then they'll yeah. do something, and then they'll change it right back for the next one. And then yeah, four years later, they'll bring it back again. Yeah, well, cause, yeah, because this iteration, I mean, Call of Duty 1 is a very different game. Call of Duty 2 sort of like established the, the, the template of what yeah. modern Call of Duty is. So yeah, that's this is 16 years old now. It's crazy. Yeah, time just flies by. I mean, think about think about something that was six, 16 years old. Uh, you know, when Call of Duty 2 came out was the the Genesis. Yeah, Genesis was 16 years old when yeah. the, when the Call of Duty 2 came it's out. It's nuts. Um, I'll just I'll put it to you this way: I wish I had not uninstalled Call of Duty Black Ops Cold Wars multiplayer, but I needed I have the space. Yeah, it's a PS5. That's like it's almost 200 gigs. And this is already this is now a hundred and some gigs. Yeah. And so I needed to delete the old game to get the new one on my hard drive. And now am I going to go back and download the can other? Can you at least like delete the campaign or something? What'd you say? Is it modular? Like, can you delete the campaign? If you you're know done what? With, it? with this one, it didn't look that way. So hmm. they sent me a download code for it, and I just selected the PS5 version. Yeah. And it just downloaded all three, hmm. all four actually, all four elements of the game. And we're not going to talk about Warzone today. I'm not a big Warzone battle royale player. Maybe it is silly that I haven't played that yet because I do realize that that's what most people play. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the bigger draw now. Because it's free. Yeah, and some of the... I've been seeing a lot of people talking about this game, but there have been people I've seen that have been confused over what the difference between Vanguard and Warzone are, mm-hmm. which seem, seems bad. Warzone's always the same. You'll just yeah. get a new map with every entry, and they do have a new map, but then the old map goes away in this game, which is odd, I think. I think we talked about that last week. Uh, but anyway, that's the multiplayer. Um, if you do have Black Ops Cold War, I would just keep playing it. I, I'll be honest. If you only play Call of Duty for multiplayer, and you're like, hmm, should I upgrade to Vanguard? I do not think this is an upgrade at all. I think the movement and the guns, everything feels better in Black Ops Cold War. Uh, and then there's the third element. I do have B-roll for this, because I didn't think I had it before. And that is zombies. And Treyarch is making the zombies mode, or made the zombies mode in this. They created the first ever... Nazi zombies mode, and this is Nazi zombies, which was the OG version of this. That's the first thing that we ever got was Nazi zombies, Mm -hmm. and this is the legit Nazi zombies. However, there is a caveat. The caveat is that the zombies mode isn't there yet. It's there, but it's not there. They... (laughs) 
So zombies has really turned into like this crazy thing at this point. That's driven by these CG cinematics, and you're seeing some of it now um, in the story. It's about as close to Michael Fassbender as you can get without getting sued. Yeah. There. <laughs> and there's a story that goes along that carries you along from one match to the next. Well, that has not been included yet in Vanguard. Hmm. There is a zombies mode there, and when you boot it up for the first time, there's this crazy cinematic that you're seeing right now that plays. But once you actually start playing it, they're just generic missions that you play without any context. The Zombies mode is getting its full release on December 2nd or December 3rd. I can't remember exactly which. Um, but they this is one part of the game, Matt, where they have made major changes to it. Um, and again, Treyarch, the OG zombie folks who started it, and uh, in a lot of cases keep getting pulled in on these other games to finish the Zombies mode. I don't think this is the first time Treyarch had to come in and save the Zombies mode in one of these games where they try to give it to somebody else, they screw it up, and Treyarch saves the day. Um, but this Zombie mode is completely different from how it used to be, and I am 100% behind it. Had you played a Zombies mode for the last, like, five years, Matt? No, I don't think so. It had become this crazy thing where... The last one I played was, like... Uh, very, very like '50s sci-fi. Like it was in like a drive-in theater, and like oh, the, I the, that the characters were really weird and mm-hmm. like kind of wacky and punky. Kind they're of thing. still, they're mostly like that. They're very tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. They become the first one. I felt like was kind of serious. Treyarch's first yeah. shot at it was like you're killing Nazi zombies. And then you know, for each Call of Duty, they don't necessarily famous for okay to use uh, enemies for anything. Right, Nazis, zombies, aliens, and demons. I'm cool with killing Nazis. No matter when, oh, yeah. <laughs> no matter what, no matter when, I'll always want to kill zomb- or kill Nazis and zombies. Um, and so this, a lot of them have been like crazy in the recent past where there's like these gumball machines. There's all these weird systems that are working while you're fighting. And so you're trying, you have to manage your time. You're like, oh, I got this. There's a rush of zombies coming. You mow them down. Then you run over to the machine to upgrade or whatever. Now everything is done in a hub. Mm. So... When zombies start, you're in the hub. And in the hub, there's these portals. But also, there's a place, a crafting bench you can go to to craft new weapons. Um, There's, like, these vending machines that you can go to to increase your health or your health regeneration, things like that. And then when you're ready to fight, you go through a portal and go into the zombies world. Um, And then right now, there are only three different objective types inside once you go into the zombies world. There's this one where this, like obelisk floats around the map and you have to defend it from the zombies so it's kind of like a moving control point that you're defending from the zombies um what were the other two um let's see um yeah you follow the orb and protect it and then there's a horde mode where you just protect one spot that doesn't move and there's one Mm. other one peggy 16 Ooh. Not Peggy 16. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, And the other thing, too, about it is that it's it's not like most zombies modes where you're inside a building and the zombies are trying to get into the building. And you're mm-hmm. trying to board up the windows and you're grabbing weapons off of the wall. It doesn't work that way at all. The zombies literally just spawn out of nowhere. Hmm. Which, I don't know. That's like... Two of one and two of another. Like, yeah. depending on your perspective, whether you're going to like that or not. Um, I like the new way that it, it works in general. I like having the ability to kind of take a breath 
And now one thing I'll say too is that when you do finish a round, you're given the choice. You can keep going and keep going on to the next round, or you can return back to the hub. And a lot of that depends on, you know, what weapon do I have? Am I happy with the weapon? Do I have enough ammo? That kind of stuff. Am I getting beat up? Do I need to go back and, like, you know, choose some other kind of health power up or something? But I like the ability to finish a round, and if I want to, go back to the hub and get a better weapon or increase my health or increase my health regeneration or something or anything like that. Just that moment to, like, breathe before you have to go back into the melee. And, again, if you want to. You don't have to. Um, you can just keep trudging forward if you want to. Um so there is eventually when the plot is revealed for this, it's going to follow a German captain, a Nazi captain, who's using artifacts to raise the dead to win the war. It's set towards the end of the war when the Nazis are kind of already losing, and they've just basically got to the point where they're just desperate, and they're willing to try to use the occult to win the war as a last-ditch effort. Um, so they use these artifacts. It wakes up this demon or whatever that takes over the Nazi captain, um, who then spawns all the zombies or revives all the zombies um what else is there to say oh so after what when you do go back to the hub after you finished a round there are zombies in the hub but there's not many mm-hmm. there's just kind of there to kind of keep it interesting or whatever um but so it's not completely dead but as you keep completing rounds new things unlock in the hub as well so like when you first start maybe the hub isn't there to increase your health but after you finish the first round you go back and there it is um so there's incentive to keep going back to the hub as well because new things unlock as you do better in each round um what else i think that might be it yeah it doesn't sound particularly complex it's not i mean right now especially I mean, you're just basically waiting. You can see right here the zombies just popping out of that rift or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about not having the whole defend the house thing in zombies? Is that part of the compulsion for you when you played it? No, I, I, I had no compulsion to play it. Uh, you've never enjoyed I, it? No. I never liked this mode. It's I, always I did, been I did hard. find it to be... It was overly hard with the number of people we had because we didn't have a full team. And... I mean, it doesn't seem like it now, but in, in at the time, it was just like, I, I spent most of my time boarding shit up. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, you were constantly trying to, like, you know, board things up and, like, establish, like, some kind of defensive situation, and it would just disintegrate the instant the, the wave started. So, yep. it was just mostly, like, tedious to me. Um, and it was, you know, it was a little too much, like, you know, Left 4 Dead. Like, I just, you, you got to do more than throw zombies at me to get me interested in anything. Like, that's not, that's not Call of Duty's fault. But, like, yeah. it was not, it was never compelling. It was more the idea was always more compelling. I always thought it was, you know, the fact, you know, the early ones where it was, like, um, you know, JFK and Richard Nixon and everybody, like, having a fun. <laughs> like, that's funny. That's cool. Like Yeah, they used to be really irre- irreverent. Yeah. Yeah. And when they put in, like, horror icon, there was a one year, I think, where they had, like, um... Uh, uh, like Sarah Michelle Geller and and uh, Johnny uh, 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 Trejo, uh, yeah. Danny Trejo, and those like that was fun. Um, I mean, I didn't play that, but it was a fun idea. Yeah, they always have. They usually do have like big celebrity cameos, and uh, I don't because again, the full mode hasn't been launched yet. I don't know if they're going to do that with this one or not. But as of right now, there's nothing like that in it, mm-hmm. and that is that's what I would say right now. There's no personality in it at all, um, and that should come with the big update in early December. Uh, but for right now, it's literally just like there's three mission types. Keep playing those mission types over and over in different environments, and then go back, 
restock, get a new weapon, or buff your character, go back in through the portal, do it all over again. Um, and it's just not that compelling. And, you know, maybe I should be reserving my judgment until the full thing is launched, but it is weird that it's not... I mean, not, they're asking for money for it. Yeah, you can judge I mean, it, I think. You're charging me for zombies now. Yeah. So I think it's fair for me to talk about it in its current state because yeah, people so. who are looking to buy it, are, this is what they're going to get until, you know, the beginning of next month. And that's a month. You know, that's a month of this game on the market without one of its modes available. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's definitely worth mentioning. And you also got a look, good look at it anyway with our B-roll to kind of see what it's like, the, the gameplay flow and everything like that. Um, and yeah, there you go. That is Call of Duty Vanguard. Um, I don't know if I'll go play Warzone. I don't know if it's worth it, honestly. I'm not a big fan of Warzone or Battle Royale. I mean, maybe when the new map comes out. Yeah, uh, maybe I will then. Um, but those are the three components that I played. And again, I do apologize for not having multiplayer B-roll um, for you guys on the live stream here. Uh, we usually have that stuff locked and loaded for you guys, but it's just kind of an exception this week. Um, any questions? No. Nope. I'm guessing not. <laughs> I could have asked that before I started talking, and you probably would have said no. no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot of questions about it. I, I, I could not justify paying money for it. Yeah. Like, I, you know... That's been true of Call of Duty since Infinite Warfare. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I doubt I will ever play. Actually, I, I got World War World War Two. Yeah, that's right. You did play that. Did not have any use for that in yeah. the end. So, that's the last one you really played, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you. What was Matt, that three years ago? Yeah, and not much has changed since then. Mm-hmm. Like, if you played that, you still know what's going on with Call of Duty, and that's kind of yeah. my point. Because it was been World War Two, Black Ops, Cold War. Black Ops Cold War was last year. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, and this. this one, yeah. And what was bef- was before World War Two? Was that Infinite Warfare? No. When was Infinite Warfare? 20- I don't remember, Matt. <laughs> Seriously, 2015, like, 2016. They all bleed together because yeah. there's nothing distinctive about any of them. And this is another case of that. There's just nothing in the game that's unique or different. Yeah. Like that's it, it. Really is true. That, like if you like if, if you're gonna like you know it's the thing. It's like ask me a video game trivia question or I die. I'm like, yeah, go for it. I mean, you ask me just name all the Call of Duties in order. Like, I, I'm going to lose somewhere did. around Ghosts. I like, never that's... do it to you. It used to be easier when there were just two studios making them. Yeah. You'd have Black Ops and Modern Warfare. Yeah, you just alternated for a while. alternated every... Then you got Ghosts or the... Well, when they bailed on Modern Warfare. Modern Warfare. And then, like, well, then, like, Sledgehammer. What was Sledgehammer's first one? That was the futuristic one, wasn't it? Yeah. What? The Infinite Warfare. That was that was Infinity Ward. Did was that, that Infinity yeah, War? Infinity oh, you're War right, it was. One. That was our comeback from Ghosts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Where we, <laughs> we chose the wrong project. Um, but they're all bleeding together. And, uh, look, I do get it. There are young players out there who may find Vanguard to be their favorite Call of Duty ever. because They've only played the last three or four. But if you're like me, and most of you are, I know that, um, then you're going to think that this is just like the last few Call mm-hmm. of Duties that you've played. It really sucks that, you know, that adage of oh another call of duty is unfortunately true yeah it's disappointing but yeah, well it i mean it's it not like they haven't tried new things here and there but they just always get knocked back down to the default because people don't like it yeah it's really bizarre because like that's the thing is like you have to cater you can't you know people like us are more interested in you know, like the the hardcore game groups and the critics and stuff are more interested in, in moving things forward or doing something different or da 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 uh, but like the the audience that makes these things super big hits just want another hit of what they got, you know? Yeah. 
It's like how we forget that, you know, it's like that time and, and you don't see it like, you know, most of the people I know don't talk about Call of Duty. Don't don't mention it. it's not a thing. It's not a factor in everyday life. No, nope. but like it's sort of like how we suddenly real, you know, the charts suddenly revealed to us halfway through that one year that Wildlands was the best selling game of the year. We, were like, like, we didn't know anyone who played it. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, there's points at yeah. which you just are out of touch with, yeah. you know, the, the millions and millions of people who make these these games massive hits. Yeah. And. I mean, I'm sure if I go on Reddit or whatever, there's people on there saying, this is the best yeah. one ever. I don't know what you're I mean, talking about. I mean, about. Venom made a billion dollars. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I've played them all, people, and I'm telling you, it's not good. Um, again, I think maybe lesser experienced people might be fooled into believing that this is a good Call of Duty. I would vehemently disagree. All right. It's time to move on. We're going to talk about, Matt... A game that may be now my most anticipated game of them all, save for maybe God of War Ragnarok. Until he plays Until it. Until I play it. <laughs> and I don't know. I, that's I have hope again, Matt, that that may not be the case with this game, and that game is called Elden Ring. Elden Ring showed 14 minutes of gameplay. Um, when did they release that? Was it Thursday? Like we were doing Thursday morning. Morning, yeah. yeah like the, when we were recording last week's yeah. show. Um, it had launched in the morning. So it's only been out there for a few days. And holy moly, holy moly, I am completely blown away by this. Um, I was surprised that before we recorded today, Matt, you said you had not even watched the whole thing. No, I got about halfway through it. I mean, part of it's because, like, yeah, I'm obviously going to play it. But also because, like, I don't find it particularly exciting, wow. like, watching it. Because it's, I mean, it is a big conglomeration of everything they've learned, sort of put into an open world. It really world. looks like every um, game they've made in one game. Right, but, like... With an open world now. Yeah, but it's just, like, I see so many things I've already done that it's going to it's gonna take putting my hands on it to really get a lot of it and how it feels. and Because they're doing a lot of cool stuff. You know, you're seeing a lot of the more agility in this one. I love the magic horse that can jump 4,000 feet. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know. Um, I mean, that's funny because that's one of the things that I think is really goofy and dumb. It's the, like those pads that you run on that sends a horse flying oh, like yeah. 900 It is goofy and dumb, but I like it. I mean, you know, you could argue that some of Fromm's games could use a little more goofy and dumb. Yeah, that's true. Um, they do take themselves maybe a little too you know, seriously. Introver- you know, they're not... They're not stars of the show when it comes to traversal yeah. and all that. And, like, it looks like they're really focusing on that for this. So that's interesting. I mean, they're huge um, upgrades, obviously. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so you, you, in the combat and a lot of, like, sort of the nitty-gritty, I'm seeing, like, you know, I'm seeing Sekiro. I'm seeing uh, uh, Bloodborne and, obviously, Souls. Uh, a lot of mixes of things like that. Uh, I would say this fight here with the with the dragon where you he knocks it down and then gets a shot at his eye is very Sekiro. Um it's cool. Like, I like all of that. Um, but it's also, like, oh, I'm interested to see how this all sort of, like, blends together and how it works well. But then, like, you mix that with, like, the open world stuff. And it's just like, okay, From's never done that before. But I sure have. Mm-hmm. So what's From going to do that's going to make this open world thing more interesting? This game um, feels to me, Matt, like all their games in one mixed with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like, this here feels a lot like Sekiro to me. Yeah. Well, also, um, the, what are they called? The killing blows or whatever yeah. from Sekiro, yeah, yeah, that's all through this. Yeah, like the idea of like doing something to a boss until it like does something that makes it vulnerable, and then you do the killing. Like that, that's you know, it's it's more involved than Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro's you're just wearing the the you know the stamina meter down mm-hmm. until it opens you up. 
that is more of a tradi- almost traditional boss fight mechanic there. But it's still yeah. like you know, in terms of the closest comparison you have, it's that. Unless you want to talk about knocking things over in in a boss fight, that's one of the other thing that's interesting in this footage is. Um, the enemies, even the really big ones, seem to be more reactive to your attacks. Like, you yeah, because one of the th- one of the hallmarks of Souls games is that like they don't care that yeah, you're hitting them. Just... You know, like unless you pull a really, you know, Bloodborne not so much. Bloodborne you can knock things on their ass, but like um, most of the time you're just sort of hacking away at this thing that barely recognizes you're there, and it's just like going through. But this one, you can really like, you know, there's, there's a thing later in it where they where you they, he does like kind of the the, the magic sort of projectile rain thing that crazy and it, storm yeah thing. and it just like i get basically stun locks the thing like, yeah you know and, and, and i can see in another souls game maybe that maybe that thing just shrugging it off and walking out of it this you know? shot right here matt just beautiful there's just, a lot of breath of the wild dude it looks like an album or an album cover from the <laughs> yeah. 70s it does actually it looks like the background from kiss destroyer Mm, the kiss mm-hmm. is like running up over that big rock hill, and what in the background is just like this crazy fantasy yeah, to land. To me, it looks like it looks like the cover of like one of those D and D module expansions, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. like this is what you're supposed to picture in your head. Yep. And it's just like, no, I mean, I'm sure that's what you want me to think of, but I, we just drew it on graph paper, you know. Yeah. Um, it looks really nice. You know, it does look really I mean, nice. That's beautiful, man. And all those places, like, so they start eventually. They start showing like the map. And the map has all these locations, so you, those are real. This isn't just some bitmap that like they're putting on the. Yeah, it does look like you can go to all those places. More yes, or less. like well, if you start looking through yeah. this map, all those locations line up in the map, so they're actually there in the world. Yeah, and there's like the the castle he's looking at is up there. I, I have so many questions for you, Matt, because you are kind of the expert on these games, and I am not. Because I try well, to play of the everyone. two of us, I wouldn't call myself an expert on the Souls games. Yeah, between the two of us, you are definitely far more versed on them than I am. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a bunch of questions just from watching this, and I just took a ton of notes. But I think some of the stuff is pretty self-evident. Like, um, it's obviously an open-world game. You can summon your steed whenever you want, or dismiss the steed whenever you want, and it just does kind of this magical like appear and disappear thing. Um, and then, of course, as we talked about, there are the crazy jump pads. Actually, I ended up figuring out what the word for those are somewhere. I'll get to that eventually. Um, you gather map fragments to fill in the map. When they show the map there, you can see there are chunks that are missing, and they actually talk in the VO about how you need to find these fragments to uh, to fill it in. They don't really explain where you get the fragments from to fill it in. I'm guessing after you destroy enemies, maybe mm-hmm. they drop them. I don't know. Um in the map screen, you can place beacons or markers wherever you want. And there's, it looked like there was like eight different markers. So you can be like, oh, here's this boss that I'm not ready to fight yet. I should stay away from here. Or here's like a place for resources where I can gather resources. Um, and then the beacons are what we saw earlier there in the open world where you can just be like, put this beacon of light down that shines up. And then you can see it when you're out playing in the open world. I think that's really cool. Um, the horse is obviously a big element. It's never been in a From Software game. This kind of traversal's never been in a From Software game. It's all brand new and a big deal. Um, the horse itself, you can, as you see when you're fighting the dragon, you can fight boss battles on horseback. You can fight rank-and-file enemies on horseback. You can shoot your bow. You can cast magic from horseback. The horse can double jump. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the horse has a double jump. Uh, you can also use your sword while you're in the back of the horse. Oh, and the launch pads are called the Spirit Spring launch pads. They're called Spirit Springs. 
I believe. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's a little strange. Um, basically, what I've gathered from the combat, what it looks like to me, Matt, is that you you have to break their stance first, and that's from mm-hmm. Sekiro, mm-hmm. and then you can land your critical attacks. Um, in general, the combat in, looks most close to Sekiro to me. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot from it, but like that, right, that what just happened there yeah. was more standard souls. Um, but certainly the close-in melee stuff is, is Sekiro-informed, Sekiro I would call it. Yeah, because it feels like you can take a lot of enemies down with just one strike, mm-hmm. which is very Sekiro-like. After, obviously, you've broken well, they're their doing, They do a pretty good job of taking them down you know, with a bow was one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like you know even the armored enemies are particularly invincible. They're, I guess you got a little, little extra army here. Matt, this is what I think is may make the game palatable to me is the ability to spawn the spirits that will fight alongside you Hmm. i don't know how powerful they're going to be how they're going to balance them or what but i'm i'm seeing this ray of light matt Hmm. where i could focus upgrading that ability over other stuff Hmm. and it may make the game more manageable for people like me do you think that Maybe possible. I don't, I don't know. That would that would be out of character for From to just give you that. But. I know, but they have said apparently fall damage isn't a thing anymore. Yeah, fall so. damage gone. That's a big deal. Um, I mean, there's some shots in this footage where he falls like 200 yards, mm-hmm. like, and just gets up like it's no big deal. And I'm hoping that that's a change that they've made for this game. Um, oh, death blows from Sekiro have basically made it in. So once an enemy's down, you can do it. But also, they show you using it on a boss, on that dragon boss. So you down it, and you go up, and you go to use the death blow on the eye socket of the dragon. And then they cut. As soon as you plunge the sword in there, they don't show you if it actually does kill the dragon. Um, Or maybe it's just how you finish off one of the dragon's health bars. I don't know. Uh, But that's something to think about. Um, And formerly, death blows were only... Weren't they only a part of... um, Dark Souls, and then didn't you have to parry or repost in order to use them? Uh, you could use that, or you could... Basically, you had to stun them and then get around behind them, and you'd, and like, backstab. backstab them. Right, that's right. Okay. And then in, in Bloodborne, uh, it's the counter... It's the equivalent of parrying. You use the the pistol when you're using right. your your weapon one-handed. You use the pistol to interrupt their attack, and you'll get that... That took me sound. a while to wrap my head around. And you, got, you run up to them and hit attack, and you do the... That's right. The attack yep. thing. I remember that. How do you feel about stealth in a From Software game? Because it looks like it might be a pretty big element. Um, if I know From Software, you don't have to do any of that if you don't want. You can build your character to not do that. Um, it seems like in this that may not be the case, although they showed like... I promise you within a week, people will have figured out how to just do a brute force move. Like, oh, really? Version. Like, there's no way in hell they're going to corral people on something. People can do magic-only runs on things. People can do, yeah. you know, bare-naked runs on things. I mean, it's this, this not going to be that limiting. Well, now they're showing them going into a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And the dungeons are where this game kind of turns into Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Once you get in there, you have no map. You can't use a horse inside these dungeons. And they just seem to have more well, of the That would be pretty funny. What'd you say? That'd be pretty funny. With the horse inside? Yeah. <laughs> But to me, other than the fact that you can jump, and there's, like, platforming in these, where you actually have to jump on platforms. Yeah, and that's an interesting element. Like, just, like, from... None of these games nervous. have been particularly great outside of Sekiro as, as in terms of being platformers. Yeah. Um, 
We'll see how they manage that. And a lot of a lot of Sekiro works is because you have the the grappling hook to kind of save you. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm very curious how that's going to work out. Yeah, and I mean, but yeah, you can jump in this. As you said, there's no fall damage, um, and there is platforming inside dungeons where there's like bottomless pits below. They've also brought back, and this is a little weird, the illusionary walls, which okay, that means you have to go around the world like constantly like hmm. attacking walls with your sword, which could be really annoying. But then the weirdest thing to me is that they brought back the fog gates. Why? What is the point of those things? Like I usually it's just so you know that you're about to go into something. It's a warning, dangerous. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But they brought them back for this for whatever reason. Um, and then some of the other small stuff that I picked up on that they actually provided context around. Also, because they're capitalizing fog there, I assume the fog is means something. That's true. That's a good point. Um. And then there's things, these things called Sites of Grace. Um, some people have wondered if maybe they're the bonfires. But if you watch the footage in this, like when you use one, they emit like these rays of light that it looks like you're supposed to like follow to something. And I don't mm-hmm. know what you would follow it to or anything like that or where they lead you. Um, but they emit, once you activate one, like you can see light come out of them and then head off in a direction. And in some of the map shots that they show, you can see the sites of grace, and then they show the direction that the lights went. Like, it shows, like, a streak of the light showing, like, okay, you can go to this point maybe and get, I don't know. Again, just spitballing based upon stuff that I saw in the trailer. Um, And then maybe they're used for fast travel because there's another shot of the map where there's a button that you can hit that will show only the sites of grace on the map which means that they're important in some way if you can filter the map to only show those, which makes me wonder if maybe they're for fast travel or something like that. Because mm-hmm. so far, they haven't really talked about fast travel in this game at all. They're like, we gave you a horse. The horse can jump 800 feet up into the air. You can summon the horse or discard the horse whenever you want to, but they haven't really talked about getting around the open world in other ways. Um, and they talked about the beacons and the markers, so you can mark stuff to get back to it. But again... Not a lot about fast travel. Um, oh, it looks like you absorb experience like other from software games. There's just like you don't have to go and collect it. It's like this gold dust that just comes out of enemies when you kill them, and it looks like it just naturally attracts to the the character, and he just absorbs the experience. Even when other things kill them. Yeah, yeah, it looked that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because uh, you saw when that dragon flew in there. Mm-hmm. Did you notice it wiped out like 10 yeah. NPCs? And then a bunch of gold flies at you. And all so. the gold comes out, yeah. And you can, and it just absorbs into your character. I like that. I That makes perfect sense to me that you shouldn't have to go and collect experience points. Um, and then they show on the map or on the uh, the pause screen, um, they, they show the different stat categories. And there's eight of them. Um, and I think these are all pretty common to From's games. There's Vigor, there's Mind, there's Endurance, there's Strength, Dexterity, Intelligence, Faith, and Arcane. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Arcane only in Bloodborne? Is that the only From game um, where it appeared? Maybe. And it I was weird, remember. too. It, like, it didn't it encompass, like, a bunch of weird stuff that seemed kind of unrelated? Sort of. I mean, there's always kind of a weird stat that doesn't quite, you know, like, there's uh, any other ones had, like, poise or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or not, that was that was uh, st- determined by something else. There's always been kind of the one stat where you're like, what does that do? I don't know. I'm not putting any points in it. Um, <laughs> or, funny. like, blood tinge in... This. Uh, oh, this. Okay. So, let's, let's just pause this right here. So, Matt... I talked earlier about summoning the spirits, and they've talked about how you know you're gonna be able to play co-op. That'll make it easier for people. 
And I had started to have a little bit of hope that this game wouldn't be like a lot of the other ones. And then there's this scene right here where you're just running along, running along, running. Oh, mm -hmm. dude comes out of nowhere, stab you in the back. Yeah. Well, now you know that. <laughs> but why? Why? It's like that. You got to check your corners. It's that one part at the beginning of Bloodborne where you just come around a corner and the dude's just there. Like, I just don't understand why they put this stuff in their games. Like, why? What's the purpose of that? I'll I'll bet you cash I'm sure money. There's a tell or something. Yeah, or, I mean you, you you see a. I mean it's just. But why? You just see if it, you know there's there's something over that that left side of that doorway. You don't know what's there. You got to watch yourself. I mean putting, that, that's Dark Souls. Putting that shot in this trailer is a dog whistle to fans. Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah. It's them like hey. It's saying like hey once you go in the dungeons is Dark Souls. Maybe. Or it's like you're saying, probably not going to get a lot of that in the open world because you don't have that much control over the environment. But and I'll be honest with you, Matt, it's a dog whistle for people like me too as a turnoff. I'm like, dude, really? Well, you're you gonna saw that. You saw crap like that. Well, if you were more careful when you walked in the room, <laughs> I don't want to tiptoe through every. You don't have to tiptoe as soon as you see that motion from behind you. You roll. <laughs> and it, don't you think it's funny that when they recorded it, they let themselves get stabbed in the back instead of like? Oh yeah, well, because they want you to see that that's still an element. <laughs> And remember, like, the character gets back up after that. It's not like it was an instant kill. Yeah, You're gonna I You're going to lose know. some life. Uh, I, uh, it doesn't really show, like, how much life you lose or whatever. No, there's no real head. There's no real HUD. Uh, in this footage, in this, there's no yeah, HUD. You don't, you don't get to see what. I think that may be intentional. Probably intent. Yeah, they don't want you to see exactly the mechanics happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. There's so much more to this. Um, there's resources to collect for crafting. Um, there's wild animals and oh, birds. There, there was a Dark Souls parry right there. Yep. Yeah. Again, it's just funny how this is literally, and there's your, a flask. Yeah, your, yeah, your Estus <laughs> flask. There's this last part of this is all dog whistles for fans. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just one thing after another. Where you're like, oh, you didn't think this was in it? Yeah, Here it I is. mean, I think there's an element of me that just feels like this is only not called Dark Souls Four because it's not in the same world. Yeah, you know, like Probably right. Yeah. Like this feels like a pretty natural evolution of what from has, from has done and learned. Yep, there's the fog door. Yeah, the fact that it's the same color as the experience you absorb indicates to me that it's some part of the lore somehow. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but there's crafting. There's wild animals and birds to kill. There's orbs to collect. They show crafting arrows as like one of the only crafting scenes that they show. Um, those golden trees that you've seen, those are called erd trees. E e r d trees. They're all over the map, but I have no idea what they do. Um, no clue. But but either on the yes, map, there, like... There has to be a sad sort of zombie-looking king, or it's not a From game. <laughs> oh, this enemy right here is awesome, Matt. Like, this is kind of like the coup d'etat here at the end. Like, mm. Dude, the enemy designs, I love their art and their enemy designs. Yeah, I mean, they always are very good at that. Yes, it, they're amazing at it. Like, it's, it's just, just, they're just torture me. Like, everything about their games I love until I start to play them. It just drives me bonkers. You guys stick with them more. Oh. Uh, but anyway, the Erd trees, I can't figure out what they do. I started um, playing through Bloodborne again for fun the last oh, couple really? weeks. <laughs> That's funny. This boss fight is awesome, by the way. I think this is one where they show some co-op where, you where you're fighting a boss together. And so he eventually gets this, like, or there you can spawn. You can use the... The enemy or the spirits that you spawn to fight bosses too, mm. which again gives me hope. I'm like, okay, like at the very least, I can use the spirit to distract the boss, and then I can unload on the boss. Like, 
again, this game has given me hope, Matt. Do you think it's going to crush my hopes and dreams? Yes. Is it? There's still going to be a stamina bar. Those, Do you think those... it's going to be tuned in such a way that it doesn't matter that you have, that you kind of have to use the spirits in order to... Yeah, I'm to... going to... From... I mean, unless they've changed their design philosophy, From is always aware of the tools you have at your dispense and expect you to use them. Yeah. Um, every and you know, and like I'm, this, I'm some, this interaction right here, like well, most boss fights, don't do that where they like they'll pick up your the character model and interact with the character model in a way like that. Like, man, I mean, Souls games do like that's yeah, pretty almost every major Souls boss has a way to basically grab you and do Snatch horrible amounts of damage to <laughs> you, where you're just where it's to the point where it's like, well, I'm done, like I'll just try this again, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then some of the connectivity stuff. Uh, they said they're going to be PvP and invasions. They confirm that in this, but they don't show it at all. Instead, they show co-op. Um, and oh, I think a lot of this stuff maybe we'll be able to check out in the network technical test here soon. Um, not much of a story was revealed in this other than mm. that female character named, I think Melina was her name. Yeah. She has like a scar over her eye. Melina or Melinda or whatever. Yeah, yeah something like that. And then... The voiceover in this, I don't know what From Software does, how they record their voiceover or where they get their voice actors, but they all they there's something about them. They're always like like they're whispering mm-hmm. or they're quiet or something, and they do they never sound like professional voice actors. They always sound like they just found some dude to just come in and record this low-winded like voice. It's in here. Like I don't know how they do it. But even in the limited stuff that they show in this, it's there. Just like these very understated, almost mumbly-like voiceovers. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Like how all their games are like that. Yeah, because that goes back to, I mean, it goes back to Kingsfield. It does, really. actually. Yeah. Yep. Um, and what else? I think it that's kind of adds it. to the because there's there's a dreamlike quality to it that, it they, is, that yeah. they seem to intentionally go for. It's like some of the people you talk to, to through the doors in Bloodborne. Yeah. It the people in this sound just like it. Like, mm-hmm. I am hyped, dude. I am really, <laughs> really hyped for this game. Like, I I love everything about it. I think you need to live stream playing the net network thing oh, first yeah. for, for the first time. I wonder time. if we'll be allowed to. It's a good question. Yeah, they may not let us. If they do, that might be a live stream worth people tuning in for. <laughs> Tune in to watch Shane turn into hatred in, or, in real time. Or I could be completely pleasantly surprised. Like, I'm really hoping, Matt, that at, or, least, yeah. at least they've taken at least a couple steps in my direction. Or you here. could be a Chinese jet pilot. But, yeah, uh, that's true. Do you really think it's going to be the same and I'm going to be disappointed? It sure looks the same. I you mean, think? it looks like it has more Sekiro to it, but uh, yeah. so maybe the stamina I gauge I did like be... Sekiro. I yeah. played Sekiro more than any other Yeah, maybe software. stamina gauge will be a little more forgiving because of the nature of how the combat works and yeah. how fast some of it is. But I don't know. Again, it's hard to uh, it's hard to gauge that because we don't get to see the HUD. Yeah. Like, we don't know how close they're getting to running out of stamina every time they do those things. Yep. So. That makes a big difference. Yeah. Um. I got my fingers crossed, people. Like, this game is... It's like my game, dude. This game has been made for me. Mm-hmm. All the stuff I love, the genre I love, the art that I love, all of it. It's just got to be not impossible. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's not impossible. I, I know it's that. not. Obviously, it's just... I just get so frustrated playing their games. I get angry at them while I'm playing their games. <laughs> and it's like... I've talked about this before, but I don't mind difficult games. I've played difficult games my whole life. I was reared on difficult games in the arcades, 
all the 16-bit games were impossible. Mm-hmm. I played through all those. I'm obviously fine with playing games like Ninja Gaiden. It's the it's like the that scene, that shot that they made a point of putting in the trailer of just getting stabbed in the back from some random dude hiding around a corner like I just I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know why they do it. I just it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and maybe that's just a one-off thing, and there aren't, there's not a bunch of stuff like that. As long as there aren't, it's not continual, like that's okay. I mean, I promise you will eventually learn what that looks like. When I yeah. see that doorway, I think there's something to the left. How come? Because I've played five of these games over and over. But what again. is it that tips you off? Because the if you look at it's a room, and you can see that the room goes it has room to the left. So mm-hmm. when you're going through the doorway, there's something to the left, and you can't see what it is, which means there's a distinct possibility because I have done this before in these games that something is to the left. Mm. And so if I was if I was playing that and so, and was running up to that doorway, I would be suspicious automatically. Yeah. And I would probably walk in facing the left or. I would either step in and, and instantly dodge back, or I would step in and dodge forward to get away from the corner. Like, it's just something you learn in mm. these games. I, I mean, honestly, I've not spent enough time with them to get that sixth mm-hmm. sense or whatever it is that you develop. I'll just be honest. It's just it an awareness happens. of how they do level design. Yeah. Like, if they're, they're, like, when you see that doorway on the far right of the room, and there's all this room to the left, there's a reason they did that. Why couldn't it just be a square room like every other video game, though? Because they wanted to put an ambush there. <laughs> right. But, I mean, there are plenty of other games that design rooms that way. Right, but you're not, playing, you're not playing other games. You're yeah. playing Dark Souls. <laughs> I'm well aware of it. I am well aware of it. You know, Sneaky's like, getting angry is the worst mistake. You're right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it'll doom you in these games. Shiniki also makes a good point. There's audio cues. Yes, you might hear them. Like, That's true. Almost all the creatures like in the Souls games make noise. Yeah. So you will often hear them breathing or something. Yeah. It was interesting, so and I, yes, um, when you have a clear view, you have to watch out for the trap in the middle of the floor. Yeah, um, nine times out of ten, it's not there, but the one time you decide <laughs> it must not be there, it's there. It's there. That's <laughs> funny. So I just tweeted after I watched all this and uh, had got the show posted and everything. I just tweeted Elden Ring with the two eyeballs looking at it, and most of the responses I got were from people like me who were like. Dude, it looks so awesome, but like, why do they have to make their games so inaccessible? Uh, so I'm definitely not alone out there on this. But at the same time, obviously, there are plenty of fans who, you know, mm-hmm. will buy more than enough copies to make it profitable. So at the very least, you'll probably be able to wander around the world and yeah. outrun things that are going to kill yeah. you or whatever. You know, there's, there's going to be probably more for you to do. That's a good point. Because otherwise, the Souls games are just dungeon crawls. If you can't get yeah. past a part of the dungeon, you have nothing you'll left to do. You'll never see the do. rest of it. Yeah. Whereas this, at least, you'll be able to run around that's the world. That's a good point. That's a really good point, actually. And that's something I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to experience the worlds that they're creating more than I have in the past. So that's you're right. That is one thing, at the very least, that for me personally will be an upgrade mm-hmm. for Elden Ring. Um, but I am all over this game. I really can't wait for the network test. Like I said, I got an invite in my inbox today. Um, I am very excited to check it out. I hope you guys are too. And I also hope that you listened to us. Was it three weeks ago when we told everybody to go sign up for the network test? At least that was a while ago. When when the signups first went out and we were like, yo, they went up today. Go sign up right now if you want to get in. Hopefully you guys did that. Um, Yeah. Sneaky says, I thought the same as Shane, but I was wrong. I completed Bloodborne twice a few weeks ago, even the dungeons. Yeah. All right. Good for you. Yeah, like I, it's like I said, everyone's got their click moment yeah. where suddenly the Souls games make sense to them. For me, it was uh, about halfway through uh, Dark Souls 2. 
okay. having to review it. Because one of the things, like I've always, like I've said before, I didn't get Demon Souls at all when I played it. And Dark Souls, I bounced off of. Dark Souls 2, I agreed to review for Rev 3 for Adam because Adam didn't, Sessler didn't have anyone <laughs> I would else love to, to do watch it. Adam play Dark Souls. Right. So he's like, you're the only <laughs> person I know who can do this. That's you want to watch. So I play, and I remember being about halfway through Dark Souls 2, you know, and this was a pre-release, you know, a review copy, a guide, or no guides, there was no help, yeah. there was no nothing. Oh, that's brutal. Um, dude. And I was just like, I don't know if I can do this, like, you know, but I just kept going, and <laughs> yeah. at some point, something turned. Uh-huh. And it all made sense, huh. and it all worked. I hope it happens for me. I and I, I and it, when I finished it, I when I finished Dark Souls two for uh, for review, and like I you know I was furious at it a lot. I had, to, I had to walk away from it several times, but once it clicked and I got through the rest of the game, um, after I finished it, I instantly started another game of it. Okay, I didn't even because normally I would just stop and start writing the review and be done with right. it. And I started another game and like playing it again. From the, the beginning, build. under no, no, from no the beginning. same same oh, build, same more build. or less. Okay, um, but playing it again, uh, knowing what I knew, it was a completely different game. Interesting. And I was like, oh, that's what I was supposed to do here. I was just, I just didn't, I didn't speak the game's language. Yeah. And everyone's gonna have a different point. Where I have, I have some friends that, that figured it out instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, Demon Souls instantly, they got it. Some people took to Bloodborne. Bloodborne yeah. is a different. It seems take. like Bloodborne was the one that got a lot of people over the hump. Bloodborne is really hard. I find but Bloodborne I find, very like, the difficult. Whole, the thing you were talking about earlier with the gun or the bunderbluss or whatever that yeah. seemed very archaic and weird. That whole mechanic. Um, it can be if you don't understand quite why it works, but yeah. like because the trick is like everybody like early on you think oh no I have to memorize every enemy's animation so yeah. I know when to shoot them, but that's not true. What what it isn't a particular part of each animation. It's a, it's when they start shifting their their weight towards you, mm-hmm. and you can eyeball that most of the time. Also, there's an there's an old trick with it where like, um, basically you do three hits. You you hit you do three hits, and then automatically you uh, fire the gun after the, after that third hit. Because a lot of usually with most like I'd say seventy percent of the time. If you have hit an enemy three times with a three-hit combo, one-hit, one-hand combo, you are going to have goaded them into attacking you. And by the time you pull the pistol up and fire at the end of that combo, you're gonna stun it them. Just naturally, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like, there's things you can do with like, or even like you know, Sekiro. Like, you know, generally when you're fighting, you should always have your guard up. And when someone attacks you, you don't want to like let the guard down and hit the guard when you think they're going to contact you, you hold that guard, and to t- the timing you want on that is to let go of it and hit it again. Okay. Let go for a split second and hit it again when you think it's going to hit you, because that way, even if you miss the parry timing, you're still guarding. Right, right. Like, your, your guard should always be up. And, for what, and that, to me, was an instinctual thing I always did from the beginning of that game. That was not, that's not something from the other Dark Souls games, really, unless mm-hmm. you were really cowering behind this shield, which is a valid strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lost some of that from playing Blood- Bloodborne because Bloodborne doesn't have a gotcha. shield. Um, Sekiro for that, like that was always an automatic thing I always did, and partly because of knowing you know Dark Souls, but also because fighting games like defense up. Like, yeah. that, that, you know, Sekiro uses a lot of fighting game tropes to some degree. Yeah, and I was surprised when people I learned people I knew weren't doing that automatically, and I was like, well, why would they? Because that's a that is like a, a weird thing to learn to do, but to me it was instinctual. So you never know what these, you know, there's an element of some of these games that just speak to me on a level that yeah. like other people don't find intuitive. Um, and there's a lot of other things about them that I don't find intuitive and have to look up and have to learn like that three hit 
to the yeah. to the pistol thing. I saw that on a YouTube video, and I'm like, that's really smart. And then like they said in the video, like, oh, by the way, the reason I'm doing this is because this. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start doing that. And like that was very early on playing it, but like it changed how I played the game. Well, I'm hoping that because you can play this cooperatively, I can join mm-hmm. up with somebody who can maybe show me the ropes a little bit and get me over the rough yeah. spots. Maybe you. Maybe. Oh, and that was actually the other thing about Dark Souls 2 was when it went live and I started playing the retail version and I could summon other players to help me fight bosses because I'm like, oh, I don't want to fight this boss. That was a really hard fight when I was playing it for review. Yeah. So I'm going to summon somebody because you couldn't summon anybody for uh, in, during the review because A, the ne- network was very spotty and B, no one was on. You know, right. it was, you know there were like yeah. 50 people playing the game. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it didn't work that way. And I'd summon someone to do that and I'd go in and we just like just Mowing burn over. I, I, I was like, oh, that's. No wonder people talk about summoning people all the time. <laughs> that was easy. You know, uh, it was uh, it's a totally different thing once you can summon someone. And like, you even know, just having the distraction of the boss not focusing on you one hundred one hundred percent. Yeah, that's a big difference. deal. Yeah, and yeah. you know, you, you hope they live so they get the reward. And yeah, stuff. of course. And yeah. I became after that point, I became addicted to putting my sign down and getting someone to help for boss fights. No. Like because you get a good reward for it anyway. But it's fun to go in and help people get through stuff. Well, you're just playing the really fun parts of the game. Yeah, yeah, without the yeah. slog. So anyway, there you go. That's Elden Ring. Um, I put a lot of time into this segment. I really went in and dug into the footage. So I hope you guys really found it uh, edifying. And I hope you feel like you learned something uh, about Elden Ring that maybe you didn't get from just watching it. Uh, hopefully that's what you figured out is the difference with Game Face. Uh, we are here to inform and uh, give you guys the straight dope on the games that we cover. So um, put a lot of work into that. Hopefully you guys found it having uh, some value. And uh, the network test is coming up. The game launches in like two months, isn't that right? End of February, yeah. Yeah, two and a half months, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, three. Yeah, but not one, far two, to go. Three. Yeah, th- three and a half. Think we'll get much more from this before then? I'd say we'll get at least one more thing that maybe details sort of the online features. Yeah, how the co-op works, whether there's like Makes you know sense. whether there's like red you know red players, you know, like the the invasions and stuff. Yep. If that's a thing. Yeah. Yep. Game's looking hot, man. I think not the only one. Yeah, I'm thinking we got a we got a PVE PVP feature right. coming at yeah. some point. There has to be. Yeah, because that there's a lot to explain there. Yeah, how that stuff's gonna work. And so. we still haven't seen the HUD. That's so. true. Yeah, maybe they're hiding it for so people like me don't see. Yeah, it. and I think we'll get something in the game awards. Um, you think? You think yeah, Keeley's got a good. Oh, he's got the inside that. line on that game. That's yeah, right. And I mean, he he premiered Sekiro. Right. Back yeah. in the day. I mean, it was just the teaser that didn't tell you anything, but he's still got a good relationship with it. He does. Him. Absolutely. All right, we got to move on. We'll get something. I talked way too long about Elden Ring, or we both did. Um, and we got a bunch of topics to get to still. Um, up next, we're going to talk about Amy Hennig's new game. If you watch Game Phase, you know Matt and I are huge fans of Amy, not just of her work while at Naughty Dog working on games like Uncharted, but her personally. She's mm-hmm. a great person. Um, one of those people in the industry that I would really like to work with at some point. Probably never will, mm-hmm. um, but just creatively and personally, I she's the type of people I like to work with. Um, and she has a new studio called Skydance Media. Is that right? Skydance well, something. Skydance is a media wing of Skydance Production Company, which was actually which is actually founded by uh, two people who went to my high school. Oh, really? Much younger than me, but yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Their dad was the fifth richest person in in production. At some, so he founded a studio for them. Basically. Wow, must be nice. <laughs> Good work if you can get it. Yeah, it sure is. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, Skydance. I think they, the, if you if you've been to the movies recently, you've seen their logo in front of the Top Gun trailer the five thousand times they've shown it to you and refused to let you see the movie. When does that come out? Memorial Day next year. Oh God! Okay, it was supposed to be December. What? It's been get, you've been getting delayed constantly because uh, here's the secret. Um, it sucks. No. Uh, no. Well, it might. I don't know. I don't care. I just want to see that that plane footage in, in IMAX. It looks incredible. Yeah. Um, Paramount can't afford a bomb right now. Oh, Paramount needs a billion dollars from like Mission Impossible and and Top Gun, and they need Jackass the movie to be a big hit too. Not maybe on that level of like yeah. a Top Gun or a Mission Impossible. They need it to be big. They need that revenue. And the, so they've seen all the include even Jack, Jackass seems like a pretty obvious, you know, post lockdown release. Like that yeah. seems like a, but they can't afford any of them. A, they can't afford for anything to get like pandemic money, you know, mm. like how even, you know, we're streaming services aren't going to work. No. And we're talking about like, you know, box office right now. It's fine. You know, it's doing, you know, you, you see things like, oh, like, you know, Eternals is doing really well or like Venom did the number two of uh, Fast and the Fury. Like, they all did good, but they did good for now. Right. They didn't Not do good, good for good. like, and yeah. the amount of money Paramount has spent on these movies, they need massive box office. So they've been delaying them to the point where they hope movie going is kind of back to normal by then. Paramount um, also has like the worst streaming service of like the right. mall. Like well, that, as far as OTT. Well, the apps. concern is that Paramount is going to get bought. Um, it it looks like NBC Universal might be positioning themselves to cannibalize uh, Paramount. Paramount. Has, back when I worked at Viacom, Paramount was a thorn in the side of Viacom. Yeah. Because it struggled to have hit movies and the risks mm-hmm. were huge. It's like yeah. every pa- film, 200 and some million dollars. And yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, Strong possibility that if they show any weakness, they could get gobbled up by uh, uh, probably NBC Comcast or like maybe Warner Brothers. But Warner Brothers is kind of on the block in some ways, too. Um, so, yeah, Paramount is kind of fighting for their survival right now. Wow. So okay. that's that's why that stuff keeps getting delayed. OK, but uh, Skydance is the is the production company involved in Top Gun. So okay. that but Sky, this Skydance so thinks company related to them at all. I can't tell. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I don't think that I thought that she was just joining the interactive media wing of Skydance. If she founded a new company called Skydance, I think she did. That's different. I yeah. wasn't. On, I was under the impression that this was an interact, like a video game development wing of Skydance. Well, pictures. I'll say this: that could be possible because she finally announced what she's working on this week, and she is working on a brand new Marvel game. Um, and at first, she didn't really say mm-hmm. anything. She's just like, "Up, oh, it's a Marvel game with." heroes plural that -hmm. you'll recognize and then the writer a writer who is working on her game and a bunch of other stuff went on kevin smith's podcast and said oh i'm working on this marvel game with amy hennig who used to work at naughty dog and everybody in the chat started guessing what the game was and kevin said oh you guys guessed it already Mm -hmm. and so the only guesses that had been made in the chat at that point were Fantastic Four, what were they? Fantastic Four and Daredevil and Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And because she, Almost certainly Fantastic Four. Well, right. Well, because she said heroes. Heroes. Also, the development schedule timeline would work out to just about when they're going to put that movie out. Oh, really? A Fantastic Four is the last movie in Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4. Oh. Um, so you're looking at 2024 for that. Which would uh, that makes sense? Would line up very well because the writer also said on the podcast that he had been already he'd only been working on it for a year, mm-hmm. so which means he's probably been doing pre pro and storyboarding mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, which would yeah. line up with that twenty twenty four release date. Although mm-hmm. 
I don't know. <laughs> Amy's games don't always have a habit of coming out on time. Yeah, but hopefully they can get somewhere. With, I mean, you know, it was this the confusion. I mean, look, the confusion of like what Star Wars game gets released uh, was partly EA, but also partly like, you know, we just lost the Patty Jenkins Star Wars movie uh, to indefinite delay um, because they they pushed that out. Um, the uh, the good the good news is that it sounds like they're going to replace Rogue Squadron with uh, an older Republic movie. Oh, really? Um, possibly directed by Taika. Oh. Um, it will not be based on KOTOR. It will not be based on anything. It will just take place in that era. Mm-hmm. But there is an older public movie on the docket. Oh, whereas, wow. whereas Rogue Squadron, while they have not said it's canceled, has been removed from the production schedule. Hmm. That's not encouraging. No, but it's very bizarre how like the Star Wars movies keep losing directors. Like, make these people sign a contract to keep you in their schedule or something. Yeah. Like, it's it's like I don't know what's going on over there. It is weird. Um, you'd think. I mean, Chloe Zhao has been talking about how she'd love to do a Star Wars movie. Let her do one. Yeah. What do you make of this, Matt? Um, First of all, what do you think of the Fantastic Four? I feel like Fantastic Four is like the B tier of Marvel. Yeah, I mean, Fantastic that makes sense. Fantastic Four is one of the toughest properties to know what to do with of the of the. I mean, they are a list in terms of you know classic Marvel. What put Marvel on the map? Fantastic Four was the breakout hit mm-hmm. along with Spider Man. Um, there's a reason they and Spider Man crossed over very very early. Um, I think the trick with Fantastic Four is finding a way to make them not boring. Um, so uh, Chloe yeah. Zhao did make Eternals, which was not bad. It was very good. Middle of the pack, but very good. Oh, wait. Did you like Eternals? I did. Seems like it's, everyone's split on that film. It is a little split, but like, and, you know, it's not flawless, but like it's definitely like middle, upper middle of the Marvel pack, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I certainly know more about all 10 damn characters uh, <laughs> than I expected to. I know I can tell you what every Eternal liked and disliked or, want, or wants or what their character arc is about versus just about anybody in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, huh. and, okay. and Zack Snyder had three movies to figure that right. out. <laughs> um, so, Fantastic Four's characters just seem boring. Um, they can be. Uh, they, they work. Fantastic Four works better as part of the universe. Yeah. Um, and the, the big thing with Fantastic Four is it gives you Doctor Doom. Right. Doctor Doom in the MCU is the reason to do Fantastic Four. I mean, Doctor Doom is one of the best characters in the yes. MCU, and he has been completely MIA through all of this. Well, because he's Fantastic Four. Yeah, like he's uh, you know, he's part of the Fantastic Four license. They only recently got back because they bought Fox. It's weird that he's tied in there because like he was a linchpin of like the Secret Wars. He's been in Marvel stuff that wasn't just Fantastic Four before. Yeah, but he wasn't he was part of the Fantastic Four license that Fox held so they couldn't use him. Oh, I see. The Fantastic it's Four funny how they have like character XYZ is yeah, part of this. Yeah, they're all part of this world and, that part, yeah. yeah. Um that was just how they parceled out the licenses in the 90s to keep the company alive. Oh. So that's why that that's why all that's why Sony has Spider-Man. It's right. why okay. uh Universal had the distribution rights to Hulk until recently. It's why uh for God's sake, somebody had the rights to man thing of all. Like they sold everything off. They getting them all back was a minor miracle. Huh. Um, but now that they bought Fox, they have Fantastic Four and X Men back. Right. Um, so yeah, was, so like I think uh, like Fantastic Four included. Um, it was real weird. It had it had the Fantastic Four. It had Doom, Annihilus, uh, the Negative Zone, um, Silver Surfer, Galactus. Uh, you Marvel could use the Skrulls. But like they, Galactus was in that? Galactus is part of the Fantastic Four, yeah. Wow. Uh, they could use the Skrulls, but they could not use Super Skrull, which is the Skrull that has the powers of the Fantastic Four. 
Marvel could use the Watchers, which is why they had that post-credit sequence with Stan Lee as a Watcher at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. But they could not use Uatu, the Watcher, who was the main Watcher from the Fantastic Four stories, until they got that back, and that's who Jeffrey Wright plays in the What If series. Wow. Um, so there was some real nitty gritty stuff in there. Yeah. There was the weird sharing thing where the the where Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were part of the Avengers and the X Men license. So that's why Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were both in the Fox X Men films and the Marvel oh, right. Studios Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And why Quicksilver got killed off in Marvel to have Scarlet Witch being the main character, and Quicksilver was the main character in the X Men movies, and Scarlet Witch was his little sister, too young to be part of the action. Oh right. So because yeah, basically yeah. they 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 picked one for each and then they did that that way. Um, So yeah, the horse trading that was involved in getting all that done is hilarious, but now it's done so they can do a Fantastic Four movie. I've always thought, I don't have any reason to to think they do this, I've always thought if I was going to do a Fantastic Four movie in the MCU, I would have had them be superheroes in the 60s. Huh. Like they, the Fantastic Four stuff would have happened, they go to space, they come back, they got powers, they're sort of a, a famous like Fantastic Family I forgot, team. Actually, that's how they got yeah. their powers. Cosmic rays. <laughs> yeah, I forgot um, that. Fantastic Family kind of thing. Da, da, da. They fight Doctor Doom, whatever. But then Reed f- thinks like does something with some portal, multi-dimensional thing, and jumps through, and they disappear. They disappeared in like 1962, and no one's ever seen them again because they were trapped in this multiverse thing, sort of like, uh, um, um, sort of like Michelle Pfeiffer from the Ant Man movies. Oh yeah, um, in the quantum, yeah. but they're in like the multiverse. And then when Loki breaks the multiverse, and the multiverse becomes a whole thing, starting with Spider Man, all of a sudden they find a way back because the multiverse is more open and there's more, tra- and they come back to modern <laughs> days, but they're 1960s superheroes. So it's like that fish out of water sort of right. thing where they don't know how anything works anymore, <laughs> and they're sort of like these cheesy old school fa- superheroes. And everyone's just like, what uh-huh. is wrong with these people? And then as they become, no, the Fantastic Four is back, this super isolated country in Eastern Europe called Latveria, who's been ruled for years and years by this mysterious Victor Von Doom, suddenly he's like, Richards. And like he comes back uh-huh. out and that's how Doctor Doom, Doctor Doom's always been there in the MCU. He just hasn't been active because the man he hates the most in the universe uh, has been gone He's and, he, and he, he won you know, he, yeah. but now Richards is back so Doom becomes prominent again and that's how Doom gets active in the Marvel Universe again huh. that would be what I'd do you're welcome take that Disney <laughs> just go ahead and run with that or call me hey <laughs> the only details we have on this game so far is that it's a narrative driven blockbuster action adventure game that features Marvel characters but is not connected with the movies or mm-hmm. any other games right so I'm still saying, I mean, Fanta- a Fantastic Four game is a bold move. Yeah. Because Gutsy. Fantastic Four is a hard sell. Yeah. I remember when the last film came out. Gosh, what was that now? How many years ago was that? 12, 13 years, maybe? I remember they were skywriting oh, like, the four in the sky yeah. here in L.A. Yeah. 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 Because the thing about Fantastic Four would be nice to have in a shared universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe or video games or whatever, because of how you can have the inter- you can have Spider-Man and Human Torch do stuff together because they're fun mm-hmm. when they team up and yeah. they're friends and they give each other shit. It's like you know that yeah um, you know the thing fighting the Hulk is a fun yeah. team up kind of thing. Uh, Reed Richards is an asshole. Like, yeah. Reed, Reed is a horrible person who does terrible things, and it's fun to point that out. Um, Sue yeah Sue should <laughs> probably that one. <laughs> Sue should probably leave Reed and have her own life. Um, 
That sounds she's like too, something Amy would want to make She's a too good about. for Reed Richards, I'm just saying. Um, what do you think about Amy tackling this stuff? You think she's a good person to do yeah, it? Yeah, I think she, you know, I, I'm, she's a comic nerd. She knows. I'm sure she's got tons of stories in her head that she's wanted to tell forever and uh, whatever this is. I mean, my, my you know, secret hope would be that it would be maybe Daredevil or X-Men or something. Like, I would mm-hmm. prefer to see her take on those. Yeah. Fantastic Four feels like... And this is me saying, as speaking to someone who is not a huge Fantastic Four f- fan, to me, Fantastic Four feels like a dead end. Fantastic Four, I mean, it could be different. You know, look, the MCU has made people care about weirder characters than like, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. The fact that Guardians of the Galaxy is a household name now yeah, is ridiculous. Like, I crazy. never thought that was. So if, yeah. if they can do that with Fantastic Four, more power to them. Um, the, uh, you know... So, you know, obviously it's not based on the movies, but, like, certainly Marvel tries to do the synergy thing where they put out stuff related to the characters who have a movie currently. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're putting out Eternals stuff and various other, you know, their, their mobile games and stuff. Eternals are all over it, that kind of thing. Um, so, they, you know, the idea that they are going to try a Fantastic Four game, not terrible. And also, if you're coming off the back of that Guardians of the Galaxy game, you have figured out the formula to do a team-based Yeah action game yeah so i've also been translating that to fantastic four would not be super difficult it's been great to see that a lot of people that took our recommendations and bought guardians of the galaxy really like it Mm -hmm. um it makes it's part of my job it makes me feel really good when i recommend games that people end up liking oh yeah it's really rewarding and look like i just want to play another i just want to play another game amy hennig wrote yeah we haven't got one of those since and she's got someone to help her so she's not doing all the heavy we haven't got one of those since uncharted 3 yeah um, and they're also. I mean, she also uh, worked on Forspoken, right? Which is coming before that, obviously. Yeah. But she, her work is done on that because she's a writer, and you don't need yeah. to stick around that long as a writer. Um, so yeah, I just like. I, I wish we'd gotten a uh, a Star Wars game out of her, um, but that wasn't her choice. So here we are. She tried. She did. <laughs> That's all you can ask. Yep. Uh, but as, as Matt said, it, this this uh, game probably isn't coming until like twenty twenty four. Um, yeah, we got a ways to wait. Away. Yeah, but it's exciting to see her back in the saddle with a big budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like and a, a good property, team. a property worth her time. Yep, and that we all care about as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as we would hope. Maybe it's no. not Fantastic Four. Could be something else. I mean, but yeah. but what you know? Again, whatever whatever Amy thinks is worth her writing time, I'm going to give a try. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So. We'll definitely have more updates on that on Game Face as we get more information. My guess is we don't see anything until E3 of next year. That's my guess. Yes, at the earliest. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe the Game Awards next year. Yeah. Something or like whenever that. Kevin Smith decides to spill the beans again on a podcast <laughs> to the point that they're like, well, we might as well show something now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Yep. Okay. Never know. We'll did see. You, speaking of comic book, games, comic book games, did you see the, the leaked concept art yesterday from the Batman game that never happened? No, I didn't. Uh, some some guys as an artist, concept artist, and they leaked some stuff that was basically. It looks like it's from the Warner, the WB Montreal Arkham sequel. Uh, it's uh, it's Damien as an adult dressed in the Batman Beyond, a version of the Batman Beyond suit, and then with like a fancy motorcycle with a red and black. And then there's a a Bruce, like old Bruce, like Bruce with like a giant Viking gray Viking beard. Old Bruce in, in the beard. yeah in the in the arm in the bat armor. Wow. Um, it was uh, it's just uh, just stuff that never happened because instead they just and said, it's canceled for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so instead they're gonna do Gotham. Oh Gotham wow, Knights. That sounds like a which Damien didn't even get into. So <laughs> interesting. Uh, okay, Damien's gonna be DLC. It's gonna be Damien loud loadable content. Oh. it's gonna happen. Yeah, I promise. <laughs> All right, it's time to move on. Uh, Nintendo really spilled the beans this week. 
it um it released all kinds of data on Switch and its other platforms that it basically held close to its chest for a long time. It was financial reporting time, but that still doesn't add up because Nintendo's reported financials a ton of times and has never given up all this information. But for whatever reason, it decided this time it wanted to give up the ghost and did it re- ever give up the ghost. And the big news out of all of the data is that the Switch is about to overtake the Wii for sales um, and do it in a lot less time as far as the amount of time on the market. Um, Because the Wii, they kept selling that for, what, seven years probably? They created that cheaper version that took out the Wi-Fi and stuff. When did the the Wii U launch? Was it like 2011? 12, I think it was. 12? Can't remember. Yeah, can't either. But regardless... The Switch is coming up on the Wii, and it released a bunch of other information, too. Like, the Switch's median median age is in the low 20s, and they released a chart, and I'll try to visualize it for you. It was like, so it, it was like age along the bottom, and then, like, how many people at that age group are actually buying or playing it. Mm-hmm. And it the like 0 to like 15 was like nobody. And then it slowly starts ramping up after 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 and then 20 there's this big spike and then from 20 on older the curve goes down gradually. Which you look at that you're like okay, 20 may not even actually be the median. 20 is just kind of where the spike happens and it cascades down from there. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that data? I mean, why would they lie about it? Perception? That's illegal, though, so... Is it? If they're talking to shareholders, yeah. Do you think maybe the owners are lying? Owners of... The Switch. I mean, you can only do research as best you can. Yeah. I don't know why you'd lie about I'm just wondering age. where they're getting the data. Maybe they're getting the data from people signing up with their consoles, and what if the kids are lying and saying they're 18 or older so that there's not, like... I don't know, M-rated game locks or... I don't know. I don't know. Like, maybe they're... I mean, might be... The the research might be coming from, like, um, you know, who bought it. And, like, maybe, you know, you might be buying it for a younger kid and the kid doesn't get their... You know, a seven-year-old that gets a Switch doesn't get to be part of that data and there's the 28-year-old parent who bought it for them does yeah. that kind of thing I, I don't know I was pleasantly surprised to see that their demo was much older than I had guessed that it would be mm-hmm. um, and so I, you know just because I'm a journalist I just start trying to poke holes in stuff to see if things don't add up uh, but maybe they are adding up maybe that is the the Switch demographic now or the Nintendo demographic um, they also announced that they, there are now 6,700 third party games on Switch that's insane yeah, well, if you look at the 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 eShop, it's mostly shovelware mobile crap. So it is, I believe yeah. that. Yeah, that's a lot, man. 6700. Yeah. Holy crap. That's a lot of crap that we That's, a, that's a lot of useless shit. <laughs> it really is. And then the final piece of data they Sometimes gave I us, scroll even when I like a recent game that's about to come out or it come it came out and I want to buy like I'll scroll through that I'm like you can't Oh my god, it. you got to scroll through pages and pages of complete garbage and it's to not find just these Nintendo. things. Nintendo. I mean, it's all the storefronts are like that. Yeah, it's that. more and more, but it's like, I got to go down like three rows on Xbox to find the thing that's coming out next week that I want to pre-order. Yeah. Whereas like with Switch, like for, to go get Shin Megami Tensei a pre-order like last week, 
I had to go through so much crap. It is, like it, yeah, and then the other part some too, of it's borderline have, porn. Like it's yeah, bizarre. It's, it's really bizarre weird. the stuff that Nintendo they allows. Don't it stop it. anything. From no, you remember when they wouldn't let you put crosses in a game? Yeah, <laughs> or they change blood to green all yeah. the time. Yeah, it's weird, but. You're right. It's harder to find stuff on Switch, and it's made worse by how slow and sluggish yeah. the eShop is when you try to use it on a Switch. Everything, every page, just like dun, dun, dun. it's like mm. using the internet in like 1996 on like AOL or whatever. You're watching images like pop up. <laughs> it's and that's probably not too far from the truth as far as Nintendo's online service. Speaking of which, Nintendo now has 32 million subscribers of Nintendo Online. Not bad. That's real good i think for what they're offering which isn't much even with the improvements that they've made recently if you want to call them improvements if you if you call more than doubling the price of it for some n64 and genesis games an improvement then (laughs) they're at 32 million subscribers and so i felt like this was a good inflection point matt to have a discussion on what is the greatest nintendo console of all time Mm. um now, it's obviously, it's not just about sales, although generally, and I think we're seeing this bearing out in this data, is that if you sell a lot, then you end up having a lot more games and a lot more choice in software. And generally, you probably would assume you'd end up with more great games on a platform that has sold a ton. Mm-hmm. However, one might argue that the Wii is the counter argument to that because... The Wii had a huge install base, and in my opinion, for the size of the install base, maybe the worst ever software lineup for a console that had sold that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to quickly run through the numbers for Nintendo, um, and I, I am not including their handhelds in this discussion as mm-hmm. far as best console. But yeah, I you am, said console, so yeah. handhelds aren't console. Yeah, uh, but I am going to go through the sales for their handhelds as well. Because if you include handhelds, it's the DS. Right. And you're done. Well, like, DS, like it's just cheap. it just it ends the discussion it, immediately because yeah. the DS sold 154 mm. million. And the DS library is just it's especially when you consider you can play GBA on it. Right. It's just it's there's nothing else touches yeah. it. The only platform that sold better than the DS is the PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. That's it. 154 million. We'll start from the bottom though. Worst selling ever is the Wii U. How right. many do you think they ended up selling? Uh, wasn't that like 7 or 8 million? It was more than that. It was 13.5 mm-hmm. million. There's only 13 million Wii U's in the world. Don't break. <laughs> don't, or don't lose yours. Yeah. Like, seriously, those might be really hard to find in yeah. like 20 Sometimes years. Sometimes I think about getting like a bag, but I'm like, that would basically just be... That's why I keep saying I want stuff to make it off the Wii U onto the Switch, because... I don't want to have any reason I need to keep a Wii U. Yeah. You know? Like, I yeah. get Xenoblade Chronicles X off that thing, and I'm pretty much good. Wii U, worst selling Nintendo console of all time. Unless you count the Virtual Boy. Which if there's another Wii U game I would want to save off that, I can't think of it. Yeah, they've done it. The other one I would say would have said was Fatal Frame, and we just got that. Also, it's yeah. not that good and probably wasn't worth saving, but at <laughs> least it's not stuck on that console anymore. <laughs> yep. Really, so, you just need Xenoblade Chronicles X, and I'm pretty pretty okay yeah. junking my rest, Wii U. Pretty, pretty much forgettable. Uh, so Wii U at 13.5 million. We're selling Nintendo console of all time. No one's surprised at that, I don't think. GameCube, 22 million. Mm. Nintendo 64, 33 million. Super Nintendo, only 49 million. I, for some yeah. reason, I thought it sold better than it was, that. It was a smaller uh, industry then. Yep. NES, 61 million. 3DS, 75 million. 
GBA, 81 million. Switch, 92.8 million. In five years, it's done 92.8 million. I wonder how many of those were replacements. I don't know. The Wii ended up doing when it was all said and done 101 million. So Switch mm-hmm. will definitely going to get there. Switch will pass Wii by the holiday season. Yeah. When when this holiday season's over, Switch will be selling better than the Wii did. Um, and then the Game Boy slash Game Boy Color, the combo did 118 million. And then as we said, the DS 154 million. So. I, w- I think it's safe to say Switch is going to pass the Wii it to be the best-selling Nintendo console of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the best no. Nintendo console of all time? No. It's not? No. What do you think it's? Um, I would go back for myself. I would go back and forth between the Super Nintendo and the GameCube. Both of those had more stuff that I liked a lot and would consider like all-time classics than what the Switch has provided so far. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. The GameCube is one of my one of my favorites actually. Just it had it had great stuff. It was it was unsung in terms of how powerful it was for the time. Uh, image quality was second to none in that generation. Uh, if you had the component cables, and uh, I, I you know I go I still have most of my old systems hooked up, and I go back and play them once in a while. Like the GameCube stuff holds up, like all of it. Like there's very few GameCube games I've loaded up and not felt like that they held up as well as most most anything of that time. I just don't think that the quantity is there. I don't think the quantity is there on a Switch. I do. Because think about all Nintendo's first-party properties. Mm-hmm. We've gotten something for every one of them. Oh, sure, but I don't like most of them. That's the problem. Like, if we're talking just sheer library, like, choosing, like, choosability, sure. But in terms of what I like, like, I haven't liked many of the updates of the classic properties on the Switch. Not fully. I mean, the only one I really fully embraced, I would say, would have would have been, I guess, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I liked a lot. Um, Breath of the Wild was good, but I didn't think it was great. I did not like Super Mario Odyssey hardly at all. I certainly have a very middle of the road opinion on Metroid Dread, which I would breaks my heart. But here we are. Yeah. Um, That's definitely a huge disappointment for me. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Whereas, like. GameCube, I've just, you know, I've got both Rogue Squadrons. Um, I don't like Mario Sunshine, but that's like really the only dog of the group. Uh, Wind Waker's great. Twilight Princess is great. Um, and it's better on the GameCube. Uh, um, what was uh, uh, the Fire Emblems? Are, Fire Emblem was great on that. Um, that stupid Star Fox Rare game is great. Um, <laughs> Uh, in spite of itself, almost. Uh, it has a lot of weird one-off stuff. It got, had Resident Evil 4 before anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, GameCube is hard to touch. Super Nintendo might touch it just in terms of like me being the right age to find nostalgia in all those things. ActRaiser, Super Metroid, Mario World. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, a, there's a pantheon of games on Super Nintendo. Um, but both of those systems uh, stand head and shoulders above the Switch right now. The Switch obviously isn't done. Like we'll see what what the what the dust settles on, but yeah, the switch is not uh, is not in the same league as those two. Those two, although it might be, you know, might be by the end of its life. But right now, I am uh, I'd put Switch in the kind of the third or fourth position. Wow, I, I honestly do think Switch is Nintendo's best console. Um, I have liked those games. I didn't. I'd agree with you. I didn't like Breath of the Wild as much as everybody else. I didn't think it was like the game of forever. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really freaking good but I didn't think it was, like, 9.5 out of 10 good. 
Um, right. There's blatant flaws that a lot of people overlooked when they were evaluating that game. It's also just not what I want out of a Zelda game. Like I think it's a, like I've said before. I think Breath of the Wild is a great trial run of what an overworld should be in an open world Zelda game. But yep. they forgot to put a Zelda game in it. Uh, look, and, um, I'll, I'll say and I'm hoping too. Breath of the Wild Two might be that. You right. Know? I will say this too that. When I say that I think Switch is Nintendo's best console, I am assuming that Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be much better than the first Breath of the Wild. I would think it would be, but is it going to be better than Link to the Past? Nah. I don't know. Nah. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that. Link to the Past and Ocarina are very hard to touch. Well, um, Ocarina, it's still a great game, mm-hmm. but it's if you go back and play it now, it's certainly not timeless. Yeah. I think a lot of my reverence for Ocarina of Time is that it was the first to do so many things. Hmm. And I think now, it's more timeless. It's been lifted over and over. I think it's still more timeless than most of the other 3D 3D Zeldas. Hmm. Um, Wind Waker still does pretty well, but Wind Waker is. Eh. Uh, there's some problems with that game too. Oh yeah, but I so I do like Super Mario Odyssey. I think it's an amazing game. I never hundred percented it, but. Dude, it's like four times the size of any other 3D Mario game. I don't think there's any way I was going to ever 100% that game. Like, no matter mm-hmm. what. Um, and I, I do think it's great. And well, I, it's, it's I really also it. just bloated in that way. Yeah. So. yeah. Like, you don't appreciate each moon the way you appreciate each star in, like, Super Mario 64. No. Just or Galaxy. Or oh, right. Like, yeah. Gal- the, the, I'll be shocked if they ever top Galaxy and Galaxy 2. That is the pinnacle of 3D Mario for Probably. Me. Because... It, the, once you go back to not doing the gravity stuff, you're mm-hmm. taking a step back. Yeah, but also like, Just but also I think I think Galaxy recognizes that each star has to be meaningful. Yeah, like, it remembers that. Yeah, you have to you have to go through you know because that's the thing about what Mario sixty four did that Sunshine does somewhat and Galaxy does better is that each star is its own path through the level. Right. Like, you're basically mm-hmm. playing six levels in one. Instead of on going through one path and getting five stars. Yeah, right. Where, yeah. Whereas Odyssey is just throwing moons at you like yeah. it's going out of style. And like you, you. you end up with moon inflation. Is no, you're right. So, <laughs> I hear you. And, like, at the end of this long thing, I get the same thing I got from butt-stomping a lump of sand on the beach at the beginning of what I was doing yeah. in this level. So I'm just like, well, what, you know, at, at best you get a three, a three pack and it's just like, <laughs> and it takes so many moons to move on to the next there, do whatever you need to do. It just feels, it doesn't feel as meaningful. Yeah. Um, I, I just start. So those two games I like more than you, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, and I, and I am assuming that breath of the wild two is going to be even better than the first breath of the wild. Mm-hmm. Then you start looking at all its other IP, like, I know a lot of people may say Melee is the best Smash Brothers game, but really, this is probably the best Smash Brothers game. There's so many characters and crossovers and stages, and mm-hmm. the DLC has just been poured on and poured on. It legitimately is probably the best Smash Brothers. And um, we haven't got a wave race. We haven't got like a 1080 snowboarding yet or anything like that mm-hmm. on Switch. So that's missing. We haven't got a punch out on Switch yet either. No. So there's some IP that's still missing there. Um, but you start looking at some of their other stuff, like Kirby and things like that. Like Kirby's about to get his, like, fifth game. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't Switch. judge any of them by Kirby. Kirby's everywhere. Yeah, but he, yeah, he wasn't, though. Like, he got one game on N64, the Crystal Shards. Like, a lot of Nintendo has managed to release a lot more games for Switch because they unified, mm-hmm. you know, their handheld and their console team. So they're just making stuff for one platform Yeah, now. I just don't. I think about the Switch, and I have to really dig for stuff I truly enjoyed. See and then, but see, I like I like things like Astral Chain. You didn't like that, I but like I did. Like Astral Chain, yeah. I didn't like No More Heroes three. I didn't. Like, I mean, I liked it okay, but I didn't. It didn't. It didn't redeem the series for me very well. It's better than two. Um, it has the best Animal Crossing. It 
Yeah, but I ran out of t- ran out of patience with that. A uh, Metroid Prime is coming. Who knows if it's going to be? We'll great. see. That, I mean, that could that could raise some some profile there. Um, and then I start thinking about just the hardware itself and how it is a hybrid and how that stuff works very well. Um, I feel like Nintendo, more than any other console, finally started figuring out online play. Like we still can't chat, no. but. The online play is certainly, more, is seamless and better on Switch. I mean, they than certainly it ever figured was. out how to charge us for it. Yeah, I mean, it was only twenty bucks a year just to play online. It, it broke the virtual console. Um, they did. That's a good. Like, point. there's not a lot about the Switch that is useful to me in terms of that. Like, I you know, I don't use the handheld feature at all. Um, the Joy Cons are a dumb gimmick, and I hate them, and I've never used them once I got the Pro Controller. Um, the Switch is a bunch of useless extra garbage that I would rather just buy a straight con. Like I said, if they did a Switch Pro that did not do Switch stuff, it didn't become a handheld thing. It was just a more powerful thing that ran the same games. I would buy that in a heartbeat and get rid of that Switch like that. I know, I know you probably wouldn't be able to call it Switch because it wouldn't <laughs> Switch from yeah. Maybe you'd call it Switch because it switches from 4K to 1080p. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they just have a big Switch on the front of it yeah, that you just flip. <laughs> yeah. Four, like, you know, I don't know. Um, but a lot of what the switch, the, the appeal of the switch, is not appealing to me. Um, so, like to me, the switch is just like I mean, it might be, end, it's probably gonna end up being the best selling. It's probably gonna blah 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 blah. Uh, doesn't do me any good. I think like, I just look at it and I've spent more time playing it than Super Nintendo, maybe more. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I've spent more time playing my Switch than any other Nintendo console. I mean, definitely not true for me. Super, Super Nintendo GameCube got more time out of me for sure. Uh, by the, even for by me, GameCube, like I played all the third-party stuff on the other platforms, so I only played Nintendo's first-party stuff. Same, <laughs> same on on Switch. Like yeah. I only, I forget I have a Switch. Yeah, but like I forget Switch, which input it is on my TV until Nintendo they put something had, out. Has has struck has struck more exclusive deals with third parties on Switch than it has for other platforms. Like we had the Capcom Five on GameCube. Mm-hmm. But that turned out to be three, right? And then they went to and other then systems to none because anyway. they yeah. all ended up getting released somewhere else. But um, and that's pretty much it. I mm-hmm. mean, it had decent third party support, just not exclusive yeah. third party. And a fair number of the third party stuff, uh, some of it was better than it was on other platforms. Not much, Most not much. Of it was, it was unusual. Worse. Yeah, but like you know, same thing with uh, what was it? Uh, PS3. Yeah, you know, PS3 was just an exclusive box. You know, I think the yeah. only multi-platform game that runs better on the PS3 than on the 360 is uh, Burnout Paradise. Yeah. Um, the sparks are better. <laughs> um, Chat, we want to know what you guys think. What do you guys think is the best Nintendo console of all time? Um, I'm interested to hear everyone's takes on this. And don't jump in if like you hate Nintendo and you don't like any of them. Like mm-hmm. only people who actually care and know something. That about brings up Nintendo. Xenoblade. That's a good point. Like the the Xenoblade on on Switch is garbage, and I hate it. Uh, the Xenoblade I love on Switch is a remaster of the Wii one. No, so that no guys, count. no, no handhelds, just consoles. I saw W Nerd said Nintendo DS. Wii U. Bachby says Wii U. I think he's just joking. <laughs> At least I hope he's just joking. Cause I think we've learned if anything, it only took Nintendo what about eighteen months to get everything worthwhile from the Wii U over to the Switch. Yeah, there's not much left. Samurai. Let's see. Let me scroll up here. Switch. SNES, 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 Switch, GameCube, SNES, 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 SNES. W Nerd is just messing around. He keeps now it's the Virtual Boy. OCD, Switch, Switch. <laughs> These people saying Virtual Boy. No, we didn't say the worst Nintendo console of all time. 
Erebus Jones says N64. Wow. Um, Bakby says he's not joking. He says he loved his Wii U. Got hmm. it the same year I got my PS4 and Xbox One. He says he played it more the first year than those two. I, I mean, the, the I mean first... maybe maybe PS4 because there wasn't much on PS4 first yeah. year. Um, Matto Baxter definitely Switch. E theme and Switch. Barry Lomax N64. Justin Horman says between NES and GameCube. Um, have to say SNES is probably the best though. Um, Tiny2K says we get bash, but I had a lot of fun with it because my wife would actually play games. That's a good point too. Um, I mean, there's a there's an argument for the Wii. NES from Norx Nessie. Wii U is solid minority games. There is no right answer. It's preference from Sneaky. JM Rain says Switch. There's an argument for the Wii, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think for people like us there's an argument, but I think if you take us out of the equation, then yeah, there I think might a be lot of people would have that have that to say so um, i would like to see that same curve that they showed for switch i'd like to see what it was for wii mm-hmm. i mean there's a i've always had my you know my belief that uh, roughly half of the wii's ever sold never played anything but Wii play and Wii sports i'd um, agree with that i i fully believe it but you got to realize like switches aren't in nursing homes like mm-hmm. the wii hit this part of the market well, the wii was also more affordable Right, like the the switch yeah. is overpriced for what it is. It is, yeah, absolutely. Especially like it's now, it's fifty bucks less than one of the next than the Series S. Yeah, I mean, it's especially ridiculous. now, yeah. it's, the pricing's really. The only real advantage of the OLED switch is that you can find it. They're gonna drop the price soon, though. If you've mm-hmm. listened to Pactor for the last two years, he said that like when they sell less than twenty million in a year, that's when the price will drop, and mm-hmm. they've only sold eight million from April to now. Um, so they're going to come in way under $20 million for the year, which means here comes the price cuts, finally, after all this time. And maybe that will reinvigorate it, but because they've released the light and now the OLED, I don't feel like the impact of you know releasing or lowering the price or any of that mm-hmm. other stuff is going to be as impactful as it normally would be. Um, so I could see an argument for the Wii, even though it's way down the list for me personally. I could see it in an objective list. It maybe makes sense, but it's an... <laughs> Its attach rate for its software was so terrible, and I think its software lineup overall was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the games, other than like the Galaxy games, which were sublime. Yeah, Galaxy games. Um, but the Zelda, you know, those games weren't good on there. No. It's really hard to the, think uh, of great The Fire games. Emblem was good. Yep. But um, otherwise, there's not a lot, man. All right, if you if you don't hate the waggle like I do, the Metroid trilogy, Metroid Prime trilogy being yeah. converted entirely into motion controls is probably good for yeah. you. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it certainly wouldn't. It doesn't enter the conversation for me. Yeah, um, me, for not, me, not personally. Game, I mean, GameCube has GameCube doesn't have a, a hugely broad library, but I can come up with like nine or ten, nine out of tens for you on mm-hmm. that thing. Like that still play well. That still look pretty good. Like yeah. there's the there's a sweet spot there of what what they were achieving with the look and the graphics that I don't think it's sometimes that I look at it, I'm just like, God, Switch isn't that far beyond it in some in some cases. Yeah. I think if I let nostalgia take over, I would say it's Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think super... if I think realistically, it's Switch. 
Yeah, I there's Switch is just not part of the competition for me. It's, to me, it's like you have not really liked it the whole no, time. It's, yeah. it's just uh, and a lot of the stuff that even the high profile stuff I think has been a disappointment to me. Like I'm I'm there are very few Switch games that I can really look at and say like I really like that. Mm-hmm. That was a great game, and one of them is Xenoblade Definitive Edition, which doesn't yeah, count. Which doesn't count. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah yeah I just I everything's been kind of okay. For the most part, except like Breath of the Wild is real good. Um, I hope Metroid Prime Four is really good, uh, but it's got you know Metroid Prime One is still great, like and it still looks yes. great. Yeah. Like like you can, like it's got its work cut out to beat its own predecessor from like almost twenty years ago. Like, yeah. Um, with you know I can go back and forth with GameCube and Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo's got you know, the classic main Mario, fr- you know, some of those things established what the, those Nintendo franchises were going to look like for the rest of time, you yeah. know, uh, F-Zero, um, uh, Final Fantasy VI, which is still the best Final Fantasy game, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, uh, ActRaiser, which we've just been over with that remake, yeah. um, and uh, honestly, the remake, while it has a lot of cool improvements and is probably a better game, it still struggles to, to hit harder than that Super Nintendo game did back in the day when you heard orchestral music for the first time coming out of a cartridge machine. That's an advantage um, that they're older platforms are always going to have is the first. It's yeah, like we're first, talking about Ocarina of Time. Yeah. I mean, it's the perfect encapsulation of that. Yeah. It did so many things for the first time mm-hmm. that you're always going to have kind of that soft spot for it. Yeah, And gonna, I think and that's why the SNES for me is way up there. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, it was uh, where Street Fighter 2 was on, on, at home at the, for, for the first time. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it had Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which you could play, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is as good as playing in the arcade, except I don't have to throw a quarter in it every time." Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of that where, like, you know, yep. ga- you know, games. It was for the one of the first, you know, generations along with the, the Genesis, but it was like this, the arcade was finally coming home in a way that it just hadn't before. It's funny watching um, this Wii U promo. And you forget like, Wait, what happened to all this stuff, right? Like, where <laughs> you forget what how? This, um, oh yeah, that never golf happened. Thing where you had the golf ball on the tablet and then. <laughs> swing. You forget how important the arcade was back in the day. Where like the arcade was where the great stuff, the big oh, high yeah. tech stuff was. Yeah. And then you hoped that they could bring it home well, and make maybe it look even you kind close. yeah, you kind <laughs> of got it close. Yeah, that was um, Oh, there was the Wii U balance board. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie's body is ready. <laughs> There's just it's funny, all this stuff that like and some of the stuff yeah. did end up coming out, like some of it, but I remember I'm, yeah, you didn't you never got a uh you never got a game where you sniped people out windows. That was not a great time for that. <laughs> Particularly um, the Emoto Sun. The uh, this actually came. That out. did happen, yeah. But yeah. I remember when this was shown at E3, and we were in the booth arguing about whether it was a new ga- its game system or whether the controller was an add-on for the Wii. Like uh-huh. the, the messaging on this was terrible. What well, actually says in the beginning here a new controller? Yeah. It focuses on the controller. Right I there, think you only see to the new. I think you only see the says. actual co- hardware. Like twice and like two shots, you barely see this little like little box it's all in the about background. The tablet, yeah. And like everyone is very confused. It's crazy. So it looks like, as far as chat's concerned, it's Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a very strong argument for Super Nintendo. Yeah, I can, uh, I can get I get it. I mean, I can see it for sure. The Donkey Kong Country game. I don't like them, but they you know that those those are classics for a lot of people. Uh, there's Star Fox. Star Fox is is a legit thing. Um, there's a good Dragon Warrior on it. Um, there's some great shooters on it. Uh, there's oh the Disney games. You can't 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 argue with Aladdin. Uh, Vincent says that Nintendo is projecting 24 million. That's crazy. They'll never hit 24 million. I don't care what they're projecting. I really <laughs> don't, dude. They sold 8 million basically this entire year. 
There's no way they're going to sell another 18 million in the next 90 days. That's not happening. Uh, just because Nintendo says something doesn't mean that it's true. Mega Man X games, yeah. Super Nintendo is Super Nintendo is a giant. It was. Um, I would be fine with with Super Nintendo or Switch, um, but I think when it's all said and done, Switch is going to have the far superior game library to Super Nintendo. That, not yeah. a not a chance in hell. Never again. I never. Think, never I think never, you're never. looking at it like the the first whatever to do whatever instead of no. Just I'm looking like, at it as games that I think are still good and fun to play, uh, and I'm discounting. Saying I hate the Donkey Kong Country games. Like I got you know, I, I don't care what they were the first to do. Um, I don't think the Switch has a lot of great games on it. Huh. I just don't. I, I would don't. much rather have to play Switch's library than go back and play the SNES library. I wouldn't. I would rather. I would rather fight my way through a Donkey Kong Country game than have to play Astral Chain again. That's for sure. Huh. Interesting. Um, I would say that some of the third-party projects that they've worked on have not turned out great. No. Um, for Switch. They seemed no. like they were going to be great, and then they ended up not. I mean, there's great. plenty of bad third-party games on Super Nintendo, too. Yeah. But like, yeah, absolutely. I'm not talking about those. I'm just talking about if you like, want me to play the Mario game on Super Nintendo or on Switch, I'm going to pick the Mario one. You want me to play the Zelda game on Super Nintendo or Switch, I'm going to pick Link to the Past. If only because Link to the Past... Is faster. Well, Link of the Link to the Past is probably the greatest Zelda game ever. Definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely up there for me. Yeah. So, I hear that. I just think Metroid. I'm gonna pick Super Metroid. Yeah. Animal Crossing doesn't really have well, an equivalent. Well, for now, I mean, I haven't played Metroid Prime Four yet. And yeah, we have well, Bayonetta coming. I'm talking about Metroid Dread. There's still, well, yeah, I would rather play Super Metroid than Metroid Dread for sure. But Switch isn't done yet, so um, I think it's a pretty close contest at the very least. Not for me. Yeah. Like, Switch has got to have an amazing next few years if they come, want to come anywhere close to Super Nintendo or GameCube for me. Okay. All right. Interesting discussion, nevertheless. I mean, um, it's certainly an improvement from last gen. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not debating that. But like, Yeah. And it is interesting, too, that the sales have just, you know, it's destroying the Super Nintendo. It just shows you how much mm-hmm. the market has grown. Oh, yeah. There's much more, a much more fertile ground to uh you've got to remember, there's two huge competitors now. Back then, there was one. Yeah. And it's still the Switch has sold 100 million units. It's pretty yeah, amazing. Also, there was a there was a lot of reticence to buy a Super Nintendo back then. I remember because more so than there was for a Genesis, because most people, a lot of people, didn't know the Master System existed. Yeah, the Genesis was sort yeah. of their first exposure to Sega. A lot Sega. of people still don't know it existed. But there were a lot of parents. I remember my friends and and everyone at school. Like there, they had even the ones who had their parents that bought them a Genesis. Their parents would balk at buying the Super Nintendo because we already have a Nintendo. Oh, right. The concept a of Nintendo. the concept of upgrading to a new new hardware, that was where that got introduced. You're basically, right. yeah. like that. You That's know, a good point. I mean, Atari did that too, but it wasn't as wide. You know, most people never even knew the fifty two hundred or the seventy eight hundred existed. Dude, they tank so bad. But the Super Nintendo, I was like, well, what's the difference? Like that yeah. was the question that the parents would always ask: is what's the difference between the one that that one the one they already have? So and there was a good overlap too. Like they continued supporting NES yeah. for a while after the Super Nintendo was released. Yeah. So in the end, I mean, in the, in the end, I believe it's outsold the Genesis in the long run. But like early on, the Genesis had the advantage that yeah. no one knew what Sega was, and it, it wasn't it wasn't a sequel to the previous thing that everybody already owned. And everybody always said sports games are better on yeah. Genesis. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I even agree with that, but that was well early on. It was, it was because opinion. that was where Madden was. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Super Nintendo get, didn't get Madden for another year. I don't think. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, there you go. Walk down memory lane with the Switch hitting 100 million. It's going to become the best selling Nintendo console mm-hmm. of all time. Um, it'll probably end up winning by 
a pretty oh big yeah chunk. I was I mean it got a few more years left it's gonna and it's uh, gonna it's gonna come within striking distance of the three of the DS. You think? You think it'll get to 154? I don't think it'll get to 154, but I bet it'll get to 130, 140 range. It'll it'll come within uh, it'll come within viewing distance. I don't think it'll beat it, but it's gonna be up there. I would say there. when it's all said and done, 125, 130. That'd be my guess. Um, which still is a huge I don't know. For the I think it depends. Like I think Breath of the Wild might surge that thing again. Maybe it seems like everybody has one already. Yeah, but we've said that about GTA Five too. So yeah, yeah. I you do never think know. that. Um, it will end up being the best-selling Nintendo console forever. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think the next one will sell as well as Switch, and I think then we'll really start seeing what Pactor's been talking about, where people are like, I don't know if I need a console anymore. We're kind of starting to see that transition with Game Pass now and stuff like that. So. I don't think we're seeing that at all, but... You know? PS5 still selling more than everything before it, like, yeah. and, they, and you can't even get it enough to still, fulfill demand. Yeah. Like, There is no slowdown on people wanting consoles. Yeah, that's going to be a very, very long. I don't think Pactor and maybe we will not live to see that day. <laughs> we'll see, or we maybe we won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we got to move on. We're running out of time. Uh, we're going to talk next about something that I watched on Netflix that I fell in love with, and I think that all of you should be watching it as well. It is a brand new show, and don't say no when I tell you what it's based on. <laughs> Because I know your initial reaction for a lot of people are going to be like, ugh. It is a show based on League of Legends called Arcane. And it is amazing. Matt, have you watched this? No. So, I mean, most- I would have if you told me to for the show, but oh. you didn't. But as it just m- didn't occur to me because it's League of Legends. So I was like, wow, that could be good. Well, as most of you know, I am, well, I used to be a big League of Legends fan. I played it for close to a decade. I quit about a year ago, and I have not gone back. I have not played a single match of League of Legends in at least a year. Uh, most of that was just because I hated the community. I couldn't deal with the toxicity of the people playing it anymore. Um, I still enjoyed actually playing it. But the first thing I will say about this is that you need no interest in League of Legends whatsoever to enjoy this show. It is, I'll, even as someone who played it for almost a decade, I didn't even recognize hardly any of the characters. I wouldn't recognize it. I had no idea League of Legends was supposed to take place in a world that looked like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, there's been nothing to show it before. Mm -hmm. There's no cinematics in the game. There's no story in the actual game. There's lore that Riot writes, and when you... Riot has, like, giant binders of lore and narrative and history of the world in, like, a vault somewhere. Like, they they have all this written out in, like, outline form and stuff. It exists. I've, I've heard about it. But uh, now I guess they're finally getting around to doing the actual narrative form content now you, that they've you talked see about it for manifest. years. Yep, absolutely. Um, I watched, so they're releasing this odd in an odd way. They're releasing it in acts, which means that right now there are like three episodes that are live, and each episode is like 40 minutes long. And then on November 13th, they're releasing another batch of episodes. And then like the first week of December, they're releasing another batch of episodes. Instead of just all at once or... One a week or whatever. I, mean, I don't remember any shows doing that on Netflix. Do you? No, usually it's either the whole season or one one of the week. Yeah, it's really bizarre that they're doing it this way. But so I started watching. They this. mess with the format on, on you know sometimes they do that with uh, animated stuff where that you know one batch gets split up into three seasons. But usually the three seasons are split up like by quarters. Almost. You know, you, you, it's yeah. months apart. Like like He Man, 
You know, yep. He-Man went up in what August? Yeah. And like the the second season, which is really the second half of the one order they made, is going up like in two weeks, I think. Yeah. Two or three weeks. Yep. But Netflix very rare for this to happen on Netflix. And so I started watching this. I had no clue who any of the characters were, because it, as Matt pointed out, like. Riot doesn't do stuff like this. Like, they'll do cinematic trailers when, like, a new skin comes out for a character. And they'll, sometimes they'll talk about stuff in that, and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Or, if you ever read the descriptions on YouTube for one of the trailers for League of Legends, I have no idea what any of it means. And what it is, it's all this lore that, as Matt said, Riot has written and collected in these binders that it's just done nothing with, and it all is just spilling forth in Arcane. This excellent... I don't even know how they're doing this, Matt. It almost looks like they're filming it in live action and then laying the art over the top. Because the, I mean, the, they could be rotoscoping and motion capturing, yeah. Because the facial expressions and the, the way the eyes move and shift, I don't know how you could hand animate it. I really don't. It, it is amazing. The, the art in this, the animation in it, the, the humanity that comes through, it's incredible. I can't believe mm-hmm. It's how very likely you're using mocap for the faces. You think? Yeah. A lot of people do that now. Is that common now? Uh, Disney used to do that. It used to shoot photo reference for everything. They would basically shoot the movie... Uh, they were, you know, you go look back at like the, like the Sleeping Beauty and even Snow White. Like they use photo, they use video reference and photo reference all the time. Hmm. I mean, obviously, I think they're doing some kind of more mocapy sort of avatar style thing with this. But uh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. The that's, eyes in this that's are very incredible. common. Incredible. Um, if, if you have the money for it, a lot of people. It's do, really you know. expensive to I mean, do it. Yeah, I mean, but like Pixar does that. Yeah. Like you know, you you have you have mocap for the for the actors all the time. Yeah. You don't. You're not beholden to for it. the you faces. To, yeah, you don't have to use that. Mm-hmm. Um. Or for the whole character. It happens. Well, I figured mo- they do mocap for the character. I just figured that's a yeah. given for the animation. And but, stuff. like, yeah, facial facial mocap for, for performances is very common now. Well, for it, a high-level high, high level budget, obviously Riot does have the budget for this. Well, if that's what they're using in this, they should use it in everything because it, it is amazing. Um, not that it matters. It really doesn't matter, the plot or the characters. How much you care about League of Legends or do not care, completely irrelevant to the, to watching this show. It, it's basically a story of the haves and the have-nots. Um, the characters from League of Legends are living kind of underground in this slum uh, with all the other underprivileged people. And then there's this other place called Imperial City where everyone's rich. They have all the resources that they could ever need. And so the characters from League who go, will go into Imperial City and they're like Robin Hood. They go there and they steal, they rob and they bring stuff back to their poor community underground. And that's kind of the crux of the plot. It's based um, on the uh, programmers at Riot trying to get lunch. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> as far as if you do know League of Legends, the char- the main characters in this, the main character of them all is Jinx. Um, but in this, in the early going, she's a little girl and she's called Powder. This is before she gets her full name. Um, and V is her big sister, who's another League of Legends character. And at the beginning of the very first episode, their mother is killed. There's a huge war going on. Their mother is killed. Vander takes them under his wing and kind of becomes their surrogate father and takes them to this underground world where they start growing up. Once they get there, they form this ragtag group of ruffians who, as I said, they head into the, the city, steal stuff, bring it back to the poor people who live around them. And that's kind of what happens. They're... they're surrogate father vander is 
the leader of the underground, but he has connections with Imperial City. So when at the beginning they do this heist and they go into this like inventor's like lab and steal all this stuff and a big explosion goes off and the building like crumbles and people die. And so Vander's connection to Imperial City comes to see him and says, hey, we know that some of your people did this. Can we work this out? We don't want to come in here and just like knock heads basically. And that's kind of how the plot all takes off. And you, then, you know, if you do care about League of Legends, you do learn the backstories of so many of the characters in the series. But again, I just want to keep accentuating that it really does not matter how much you care about League of Legends at all. It is just amazing, all on its own. Um, if you are into League, here's a quick rundown of some of the characters that at least I recognize from the first act, which again is like the first three episodes. Um, as I said, Jinx, V... Um, Caitlin, Jace, Heimerdinger is who like hardly anyone plays at as a game. I'm surprised he's in this. He is like the mad scientist and he has an apprentice and that's Victor. And then Echo is in it. And Echo is like a brand new character who has only been around for like, I guess, right, like three years at this point, something like that. And then they also introduce a brand new champ who's going to eventually be in the game in this show. His name is Silco. Um, and they debuted him in, in the show. Everything about it is incredible. The the writing, the voice acting, the sound design is incredible. The art, it, all of it. It's listen to it with a good surround system or with headphones. It's I think a part of it too. And I won't say it doesn't matter at all if you care about league. But if you do care about league, then it goes up. It does go up another level because it does provide context to these characters that you've seen played with or against for a long time and it gives them a personality like it almost made me go back and start playing league again for example um so i was like oh wow okay like i didn't realize that's what this champ was about or that's where this champ was coming from all you'd hear is like their battle cries you'd be like that doesn't make any freaking sense but now some of that stuff is starting to kind of fall into place and add up but again you don't need to watch it to enjoy it i buzzed through the first three episodes i can't wait until November 13th to get the rest of them. And if they hold up like this first batch is, I won't be able to wait until December. So just wanted to quickly take a look at the show, get it on your radar for Matt even. Um, mm-hmm. I, you're right. I should have told you to watch it. And so we could have both talked about it. I mean, it would never have occurred to me to watch a League of Legends show. Yeah. So. Well, it doesn't, it's not really branded League of Legends. It's called Arcane League of Legends or whatever. Yeah. It's like Arcane and then League of Legends is always yeah. little. I, mean, I knew what it was. I mean, I, when I saw it, I was like, I don't know. Like, Yeah. Also, it's like Netflix stuff is so wildly varied in quality at this point. It is. Know, it's like I yeah. don't watch a lot of stuff as soon as I, wait, I don't either. I don't I'll sample until, stuff so, anymore. Yeah, I wait until someone tells me it's good. Exactly. Like, like Which is Game. exactly why I'm bringing this up on this show because I feel like everybody's in that boat on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like in the I need someone I trust to tell me to watch stuff because mm-hmm. you're right. There's so many things I've tried to sample when you get like 40 minutes into something, you're like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, oh, I just wasted 40 minutes of my life. Um, I'm a big fan of this i think it's great i think you're all gonna love it it also it's not written for kids they're swearing in it there's very intense things that happen in this it's not r-rated or m-rated uh but it's a hard t is i guess is the way i would put it um they don't drop the f-bomb but they use pretty much all the other swear words um it's gritty it's unpredictable i've liked everything about it so far excellent work i don't know how much riot actually had to do with this 
Um, I, thought, I thought they made it in-house, pretty much. Did they? That's what I thought. A, I might w- be wrong. When it starts, there's another studio that comes up first, and it says, mm-hmm. in cooperation with Riot or whatever. I'm sure there was, like, an animation studio they, they contracted, but I I, I mean, I, I discussed some of the narrative stuff with them years ago at one point, mm-hmm. 83 mainly, but, like, they were very keen to maintain control of all of it. I'm sure they were involved step by step. Now they do anything. look, they produce a ton of great CG trailers mm-hmm. and for their new seasons and stuff like that. But they're not narrative driven for them. No, but they, but riot guards this stuff with their lives. So yeah. I, I think I'm sure they were, I'm sure the animation studio was operating under orders at all times, not, doing it themselves <laughs> game manual they have a great cafeteria on campus <laughs> ah but how often do they get to go to it we actually have a friend jaqui who's mm-hmm. been who works at riot who's been a big cog working on this like i yeah. saw when it launched like last week she was like oh my gosh finally it's out there blah 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 yeah, it's been years since yeah. i started talking about doing this and i had just forgotten about it and then i actually went on netflix to like just look around for stuff and uh, I saw it, and I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. Like, Jaquie worked on it, and, you know, it is based on League, and I kind of mm-hmm. still like that game, maybe. And literally 10 minutes into the first episode, I was hooked. Well, the first, it starts off strong, too, because there's just a horrible, horrible things happen right at the beginning. And again, the eyes in this are so powerful. Like, just the way they jut around, like, that's one thing in animation that, the animation has struggled to portray as the human eye. And for whatever reason, this just nails it. It just looks amazing. So uh, I highly recommend it. It's called Arcane. And then it says League of Legends really little. <laughs> and I think that's appropriate because it is it is based on League of Legends, but it doesn't matter how much or how little you know or how much or how little you care about League of Legends, you can still enjoy this. So I highly recommend it. Um, CNote51 says, I love Heimer. <laughs> I I actually, Heimer was one of the characters I played as, but apparently he's like the lowest played one. And he's just this dude who's very squishy. He dies very easy, but he can drop turrets. And I always love turrets. Every game I play, I like turrets. And uh, I never did that well with Heimerdinger, but I will say this, playing against him is really annoying because the first thing you have to do is take out the turrets. Because otherwise, if you go after him, the turrets will just wipe you out. So it just becomes this annoying thing of like, he puts down a turret. You destroy the turret. Then you get a couple hits on him. Then he puts down another turret. It gets annoying playing against him, but he's not very popular. Um, C-Note says he's great in a ram. I don't even know what that is. I feel like I should mm. know what it is, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. I've played League of Legends like four times, so I'm not going to know what that <laughs> stands for. I think, isn't a ram something that's related to all games, though? I don't, I don't know. know. JM Rain says maybe Elden Ring has turrets. <laughs> I mean, some all random, all random, all mid. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, I thought Heim was uh, top. I thought he was a top champ. That's where I always play him. Anyway, it always seems to be where I play against him. I've seen some people play him. Bot I mean, some, lane too. Summoning the summoning the the phantoms is not super unlike a turret. Yeah. In Elden Ring. Yeah, that's true. Maybe one of those phantoms is a turret or something, or like a plant or something that just spits poison or something and shoots poison. It could be. You never know. So anyway, that's Arcane. It's on Netflix. There's three episodes up right now, and they're coming out like every couple weeks after that. Uh, And like I said, each episode's 40 minutes, so you can get through this first act in like an hour and a half if you want to. If you don't like it, come on back. I want to hear why, because I flippin' love it. All right, let's move on. Just a couple topics left. In this last one, we're going to talk about Blizzard again, Matt, <laughs> because 
it's just the gift that keeps on giving to podcasts. Mm-hmm. This this week it really is. Uh, this week, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard announced that both Diablo Four and even more oddly, Overwatch Two has been delayed in maybe not even coming out next year and probably not coming out next year. Most likely, both games have been delayed to 2023. Um, Diablo 4, not as big a surprise. And the reason it's not as big a surprise, it's not because I know how long one's been developed versus the other one. It's because Overwatch 2 is going to be used in esports next year. And mm-hmm. that is set in stone. There's mm-hmm. no changing it. There's no going back. They've already done exhibitions at some esports events with it. Um, in fact, the B-roll you're going to watch here in a second, that's where it comes from. It comes from an esports event from not that long ago. And now they're going to push it back to 2023? Mm-hmm. Diablo 4, I mean, didn't Rod Ferguson say that that was almost wrapped up and ready? No, I mean, I don't think we ever had a solid time frame for Diablo 4. Um like could have been anything. Yeah, I mean, they never did give. They actually have never given release dates for either one. Just to be clear, yeah. they've never announced solid release dates for either uh, either game. But I think people were assuming Overwatch Two was closer just because of the use in the esports and also the fact that they basically stopped the um, the flow of content for the first one. Right. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Which is weird because if this gets, you know, obviously they're still going to use it. You know, it's not unusual that the that the the Overwatch League gets stuff sooner than the general public. Yeah. Um. But you're kind of hitting a point where, like, you're going to have had no real serious new content for Overwatch in, like, three years yeah. almost it's by insane. the time this comes out. Yep. And it's it, you want to talk about a way to kill your game. Now, Bl- here's Blizzard's official line is. It says it's doing this to make sure that it has post-launch support in the pipeline for both games before they are released. Okay. And it also said, and also because we have so many new people working on these games now, because they had to let go of so many mm-hmm. leaders leaders at their company, that they want time for the new employees to come in and kind of put their stamp on each one of the yeah, games. Yeah, also they want time to pass so we forget that all this happened. Right, which is what it really yeah. is all about. And so they can stop calling it Blizzard. You you seem to be I st- very I still I still believe they are removing the Blizzard brand from things. Or it's do you think they wait because, look, Blizzard won't release another game until this. Mm-hmm. There's Diablo Immortal, the mobile Diablo game. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, Blizzard may not release may not release a new game in the next year, year and a half until these games are ready. Do you think maybe they are just waiting for the, the heat to blow over and then come back, release these games as Blizzard? No. Really? I think you get rid of you, the, the Blizzard name can never be reclaimed. I wow. think you get rid of it, you call them Activision games, and you hope that a year and a half from now people forget that Overwatch was a Blizzard game. Hmm. Or at least you forget the mainstream media forgets. Folks, you know, in chat, how do you guys feel about this? Do you feel like Blizzard's name is irredeemable? Would you never buy or play another game that had Blizzard's name on it? Or does it not matter because you know at the end of the day it's still Blizzard? And you're just not mm-hmm. going to buy another Activision game or Blizzard game. I think it's I've, I. I mean, I don't think that matters so much as like if you don't if you release something else under the Blizzard name, you are automatically inviting the media to say, "Well, remember that company that got sued by California for being horrible? They just put out a new game. Like mm-hmm. that's news. That's a story. And it doesn't matter what we think or what we'd buy. But it do you matters. think a year and some from now that that'll still be a story? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's something to talk about. It's yeah. a scandal. It's something you know. The cable news will be all over that shit, for sure. Huh. 
I think it's easier if you just put this thing out under the Activision logo. Maybe you put Blizzard in there. You know, not on the titles, but you put in like you know, like the way Diablo Two says, you know, mm. Blizzard Blizzard presents when you're right. starting it up yeah. for the CG or whatever. Um, but you just don't advertise it as a Blizzard game or the Return of Blizzard or whatever. Like you just it's, it's, it's Overwatch Two. It's coming out. Sneaky says I don't know who Blizzard are, and I always play Overwatch. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Nightwing 3060, I think he kind of gets it though. He says, I just want some new modes, new stages, and new characters and mm-hmm. and Overwatch too. He's I mean, like, I think you'll get that, but you're gonna have to wait a very long time. I think maybe what he might be getting at though is like he'd be happy if they just put that in Overwatch and just said, Here's Overwatch 2 instead of waiting for some new game or whatever. Oh, sure, you'd like that, but then they wouldn't be able to charge you for it. Oh, Bunka says, Wow, expansion. So that may be another it game. It might be in there somewhere. It's coming, yeah. yeah. It's possible for sure. Um, let's take a look at some other ones here. Um, Emperor Dread says, Well, absolutely, Matt is 100% right, meaning that he agrees with you that they're going away. Mm hmm. Um, Blizzard is cold and I hate winners. Zet Saber. <laughs> <laughs> um, Minority Games, it doesn't matter. I will still buy Blizzard. Mm, not Cirque says I don't play Blizzard games in general. Um, Erebus says, nah, Blizzard is too beloved a name. Blizzard is staying. Not anymore. Hmm. Jam Rain says it totally Blizzard matters. has become the flagship icon for horrible harassing <laughs> sex pesty like, right. like it's there's no way there's no way you do not rehabilitate that well jam rain agrees he says it totally matters my money is not going to them without major changes and it seems they have destroyed files recently oh geez attempting to mitigate documentation of abuse eee. that's bad um ocd master says i think people will eventually will forget what happened um nox aeternitis says blizzard name might not go away but they will, will not be been proudly displayed before games mm-hmm. for many years at the very least. Like you're probably not going to file it off the buildings down in Irvine, but like I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, you're not going to be slapping that logo on everything as soon as the trailer gets released. Yeah. Um, I think a bunch of people playing games simply don't care from Tiny2K. Um, Norris Nessie says, I think people will forget about this and we'll buy Blizzard games eventually. Um, and Schneeky comes around to say, I don't want to buy to support them. Um, then again, there's a lot of good people at Blizzard. I would be supporting those. Should I buy two? Yeah, I mean, the people I know at Blizzard uh, who were not involved in the it's harassment scandals, like they basically said, like, you know, if you don't buy stuff, you're basically just hurting the people that are still there. Um, you know, the only thing that's going to teach Activision and Blizzard a lesson is the legal consequences, which turned out to be basically a slap on the wrist so far. Yeah. Um, like, that's the thing, though, is like, you know, like not buying the games is not really going to push the needle one way or the other on that you need legal consequences to get a, a mm-hmm. corporation to react the fines um, the maximum fines that they can give are so little yeah it's nothing there's nothing that the courts can really do they're finding them the max they can but it's just peanuts yeah but you need to get rid of the blizzard thing huh. like like blizzard is going away as as a brand like you, just, you just get rid. It's just all going to be Activision now. I mean, they, they even got gun shy about the Activision thing. Look at how so minor the actually, Activision thing is, has been. How, look at how minor the Activision branding has been in the Call of Duty PR. Yeah. I do have a question for you, though. If that were the case, why would they delay these games? For the real reasons they're saying? I mean, there are the real reasons they're saying, for sure. Like, you know, yeah. you, they have a major turnover, and you have to kind of reevaluate how you're going to do that, and it changes the timeline. Um, there's probably also some problems just in terms of what's happened over the last year and a half with working from home and the COVID stuff. Uh, otherwise, you just 
slap Activision on it and ship it, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it didn't stop him from releasing Diablo 2 Resurrected. Um, I think probably the the main reason is, yes, what they're talking about. You have to readjust to a massive uh, shift in leadership and uh, staffing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's going to affect things. But it also is conveniently a way to gain some more time between now and uh, when you have to release these things that need to do very, very well to make up for the amount of of money you've spent developing them. I'm wondering what Activision's thinking now, though, these two huge games that... It's a fine question. And look, if Overwatch 2 doesn't, like, catch fire, like, you're talking about the end of the Overwatch League and all. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that whole thing... That's a couple of cards waiting to fall down. And that's a bang. That's a whimper, not a bang. Like, that's a... Overwatch feels like it's about to collapse like a flan in a cupboard. Well, I mean, it would be a bang for Activision after all the money it's invested in in the League and everything. Like, who even... how many people? How many people even know Overwatch League is still going, you know? I mean, you gotta realize... I don't hear about it anymore. paid huge sums of money... For franchise fees for the for yeah. that league, was it, you remember when we used to get a lot a, of pro athletes? Remember when we used to get us like a CG trailer for a character trailer every few months? Yeah, and that? it's all gone. It's all slowed down. Yeah, all like we didn't get know, nothing. All the you know, remember uh, my ex girlfriend and everybody who let me up? They don't they don't play it anymore. They don't play it anymore. They barely pay attention. Wow. She used, to, she used to go down and watch the Overwatch Watch League stuff in person. Well, I know every, every time I'd come over there, she was playing. Oh, yeah. Hasn't played. I mean, I'm, I think she still plays, like, with friends and whatever. But, she, you know, the, the serious play and the and the following, you know, I haven't heard it's about gone. that in forever. Interesting. Man. Can they you moved remember on, a game, they moved on company to, screwing up They worse. all moved on to Phasmophobia. Look, it's getting dark out. Yeah, it's dark. It's, it's wow, gray. we were talking about this at the show open. And look at it. You, it's so dark you can see the light. Whereas when the show started, oh, yeah. you couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. And now it's clear as day. Look at how dark it got just during the show. It was broad daylight when we started. Yep. It's crazy. It's also pretty cloudy, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting dark. A little overcast. Um, the Game of the Year show will end in darkness. It probably will. Yeah, absolutely it will. Um, this one might end in darkness. We're <laughs> about 15 minutes away. It may be completely dark by then. It's been. Have you, can you remember another gaming company falling like this? I can't. Not from the high, yeah, no. I mean, not for these reasons. I mean, like Gearbox <laughs> took a dive for sure, yeah. for different reasons, but um, not for something like this. Although they had their share of, they got their share of it, yeah, and, yeah. Oh yeah. So part of it may have been that, but this is just all on cultural stuff. Mm-hmm. Sad. And the and the the just, I'm surprised by the number of people who are, have been willing to just abandon them. Yeah, on principle. In that when regard. we first started talking, about a lot about of this, times I thought you were crazy. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, yep. I'm like, because. Blizzard fans are some of the most hardcore fans. And I was like, there's no way these people will turn their backs on it. And some of them have. Yeah. Like, way more than I ever thought. Mm-hmm. So, The other thing there is, is the, fa- the fact that BlizzCon does not have a reinstatement date is a huge That's a huge flag. tell. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the fact that they didn't say, like, because well, well, you know, every other thing that's canceled something for COVID or for whatever has said, like, okay, we got canceled, but we'll be, we'll be back this day, 2022 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they haven't. Like yep. the, you know, because there is is never too early to start planning something like that. Yeah. You, you know, you got to get the venue, you got to get so you know, much logistics. You, yeah. yeah, but like the fact that they've just be like, oh, we'll it'll be back one day. We'll do it. We'll do a thing. We'll see. Ya. It's just like okay, yeah. that's called ghosting. Yeah, folks. <laughs> as the kids call it, and as we all know, what we all know what Blizzard does to things called ghost. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: if Blizzard plays his cards right, we won't talk about Blizzard again for a really long That's time. That's what they would prefer, I yes. think, yes. So this might be the last time we talk about this for a really long time, unless it screws up again. Yeah. Which, Although we could I would do, put we, it past We them. could just periodically do the Larry, the Larry Wilmore, Bill Cosby thing. Just be like, 
It's like, I have forgotten about you, motherfucker. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Blizzard. Yeah. (laughs) Just create, like, some little video clip or whatever that we play, like, once an episode or once. Yeah, it could be our equivalent of the, uh, of, uh, Sterling's, uh, uh, fuck Konami. Oh, right. Or, uh, or, oh, (laughs) Ubisoft. Yeah, Yeah, like that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. So there you go. That's the latest on Blizzard. And again, I don't think we'll be talking about him for quite a while. Uh, Unless they they do another Warcraft expansion, but. We don't really talk about those anyway. Yeah, someone brought it up in chat though that a while there must be something. For a while, their work completely stopped on World of Warcraft. Yeah. So like, who knows? That that train can't stop moving. Yeah, and I've heard I've heard it'll literally it's a shark. Yeah, it has to keep swimming. Yeah, Yeah, but like, I've I've also heard that in the wake of this, Activision has stepped up uh, looking into building another equivalent MMO that would not be attached to Blizzard. Wow. To kind of replace that revenue stream, which seems Good like a very optimistic yeah. <laughs> project to start at this Good point. Luck with that one. In reality. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, put too many chips on that bet. So, all right, there you go. It's time to move on. Last topic of 278. Something we discussed last week, although I was the only one who was able to discuss it because I got early review code. Matt has since, I'm assuming, played a metric yeah. ton of it. We're going to talk about Forza Horizon 5. Matt, maybe the best way to approach this is, is there anything, now that you've been playing it, that I said last week that you don't agree with, or anything that I left out that you think we should have mentioned last week? Uh, well, the thing that I think, I mean, I don't know if you remember if you left it out, but like, I the disconnections on this are Oh, ridiculous. I haven't had that problem at all. Oh, it disconnects every five minutes. Like, uh, not, really? not Xbox, but Forza loses connection from the Forza server uh, constantly. Oh, maybe I wasn't paying attention to that. Like a little, bu- little thing up pops says, you've lost connection. Yeah, it, it X to pop up and retry. Constant. Everyone I know who's playing it constantly. Like, wow. they just gave up. Like, a lot of them gave up. Because I'm playing in a clan with, or like a club with mm-hmm. my friends from an online forum I've known forever. We've always been in the same Forza club. And, like, we can't get anything done. Because it just wow. disconnects, and like they've they admitted, you know, on the Reddit they've talked about, it, like they've said, like yes, we're working on it. And it's, pro- it's probably because we're playing early access, right? Yeah, you know, it doesn't come out till today, technically. Wait, um, it comes out today? Technically, t- technically, the you know, if you if you for Game Pass and no, normal version, if you bought the deluxe or ultimate, you got it like however many days today early. Today is its release, but today date is officially? the official release wow. date. If you didn't, if you did not pay for the deluxe edition, I had no idea. Yeah, wow, we were way out ahead on this one. So. Um, <laughs> I had no idea we had talked about it that early. Yeah. So the um, yeah. So the so the, yeah. I've had a lot of connection issues and the fact just you know, in ways that the others I've never had with them. And I'm not losing connection on the Xbox. Like I'm still on Xbox Live. Yeah. Just forces it's been just disconnecting. Just their servers. Interesting. Um, it's gotten a little better over the week. Like it was better on Sunday. It was a little better yesterday. But like I haven't tried it today. But uh, have they figured out? Is it just maybe the Game Pass version of it? No, because I'm no. not using the Game Pass version. I go, I bought the Ultimate version. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Um, and it's also happening on PC. By the way, so. this game sold 800,000 copies before it went on sale, yeah. basically. That 800,000 people were willing to pay extra money to play it early. Yeah, I think it probably is just because they have way more people than they thought they were going to have. That's possible, yeah. This is more. Is way more. I think that's almost double what 4 had before nah. in the early access. And full disclosure, by the way, I have spent probably an extra three hours since I talked about it mm-hmm. last Thursday because I've been plowing on Call of Duty Vanguard. But I'll say this, in the few hours I have continued to play it, I've it's populated now. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've raced against some of your Drivatars, yeah. and your Drivatar is, in fact, a jerk. Yep, so is yours. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, I, it, it really... It, oh, it drives like one of those big, boxy, like... 
like Prius Scion-y looking things oh, really? and like boxes me out on, on, on turns and shit. I'm just like, oh, you'll... Well, if it really follows the way I drive, it should be like pinning you against the guardrail around turns because well, that's what I normally do. Well, you're never going to get me on your outside, so that's, it doesn't do that. But it, but it definitely is good at blocking. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I play... Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I like it a lot. It's, uh, it's Forza. Yeah. yeah but, you know, I think the... Are you disappointed that... It that it's that it's Forza. No, like you don't. There's no reason to mess with success, mess with perfection to some degree. Yeah. Uh, I do like the the expeditions are really cool. Like that. Yeah. I never cared yeah. much about the the events or the or the um the showcase stuff very yeah. much in the other games. But the expedition stuff is great. A little it's like fun. little like find stuff and explore things. Thing is great. Um. Like, I find myself doing other events to gain enough XP to get another one of those. Like, yeah. I want to see more of those. So, yep. like, so mission accomplished. It's like, like I said, half the game should be yeah, that like they've Yeah. They, I, I certainly, that is not a thing that's happened with previous Forza games. So, like, and they find a way to make all that stuff interesting and, like, take you on yep. little twists and turns and things. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, they're great. It's one of the best changes to Forza Yeah, like, Horizon. you want to you wanna do some some DLC that adds, like, a hundred more of those? Like, bring absolutely. it on. Like, yep. absolutely. It's, that's the best new thing in this game. Yep. Um. Uh, beyond that, like, uh, how many cars did you start with? You did pay for the extra version, though, yeah, so you so probably got a bunch of. So bunch I got of- like a, I got, I got pre-order cars, and I got some cars from having four to four, and like, so I think I started with like twenty something. Okay, but I've only been mainly using. I got, uh, I've been using that one, and I got some ridiculous like. 999s2 thing off a wheel spin early on so i've used that a lot that's cool because it's got 10 handling oh wow um like it, it that's cor- what you want <laughs> it corners so well it's too good oh really time. like i oversteer because you much account for like a little bit of slip because it almost feels unreal how much it, how it well stays it can turn. on rails like you know like it's what it's, it's such a it's handles so well that like i'm doing like you know like on the turns and you, i i turn the the racing line down to just the braking line uh-huh um so you see a little braking line that just tells you, oh, you, you got to slow down now. That braking line is wrong for this car much of the time. You don't need to, unless it's red, you don't need to it slow down. It tells you to brake and you don't need like, to Like, no, brake. you do not need to slow down oh. on that turn unless it's red. Because <laughs> it turns um, so well. Because it's so wow. responsive. Um, what is that car again? I can't remember. It's, it's Apollo. Text it to I me think later. it's the Apollo yeah. something. I, I, it's, it's, it's one of those like super custom formula things that's just got tons of weird... Um, Vincent says, as of today, it's past 3 million players. There you and go. And then Eat Demon asks, which mode are you playing on I'm quality playing on per- or performance? I'm playing on performance. I'm so playing the, on quality. I want I'm, the frame I'm playing rate. at 30 frames a second. I want the 60 yeah. for, for a racing game, for sure. Um, it wow. still looks great. Still yeah, looks I, I, tr- I turned it on to the performance mode, and it still does look amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this game is just so gorgeous, and I haven't played enough next-gen stuff. That it's like I want it to look as good as possible, and the thirty mm-hmm. frames, like it is locked at thirty, and it doesn't bother me that much to play it. At, it doesn't bother me at all, honestly, to play mm-hmm. it at thirty frames a second. Um, so I have been, and I did switch it up just to see. And uh, you're right, like I could hardly even tell the difference mm-hmm. between the performance and the. Yeah, it was quality. it was not a big enough difference, so I just went to. I'd rather have the frame rate for the responsive yeah. driving. Um, Environments are great. Like it's fun to explore. Um, just drive around and see what you see. Um, I like that the expedition stuff takes you places you haven't been before, and that kind of dumps you out there, and you can yeah. kind of like poke around for a while. Yep, and open up a bunch um, of new territory yep. and unlock a bunch of stuff. Yep. Um, it is weird to me that like they kind of double down on the narrative. Like they double. Like there's cutscenes <laughs> constantly. Like you're con- people are constantly talking, and I don't want to hear what they uh, say. Um, uh, 
the uh, and your character talks a lot yeah. too which uh, i thought it was weird that like you can choose what your character looks like and what they dress as and you can choose like they them pronouns for them you got yeah. there's all this like but you can't choose not to be like Annoying British, <laughs> yeah. Is it British or like Australian? Like I can like you, tell. You, the two voices. I don't want to say because I'll get it wrong. There's only two voices. There's a male voice and a female <laughs> voice, and they both have accents. And I'm like, why aren't there American? Yeah. It's weird because you're also you're you're supposed to be the character from the last one. Like Are they you? T- they talk about other events from previous Forza oh, Horizons. Right, they do. They talk about that you race yeah. the train and just, right, so there's right. actual continuity in this, which I was like, <laughs> I didn't see that one coming, that's but okay. Idea. <laughs> um, the exp- yeah, the, exp- the expedition thing. I, I went backwards from what you were concerned about. I'm like, I'm like, are the expedition things the influence of Fable being in the building? Oh, because <laughs> they kind of added quests, right? They did, yeah, yeah. Like you got to go find the flight suit, and you got to yeah. go like f- take a picture of the jade statue. You're right. Maybe like, going in reverse. Yeah, they, they took influence <laughs> from Fable. <laughs> Meanwhile, like Fable's gonna get revealed, and it's just like it's like. You have a steam-powered race car <laughs> in the new Fable. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Fable I... Horizon. <laughs> so, does that concern you at all? Like what I was talking about last no. week about like you know the narrative is so bad in this no. that it, yeah. Um, I think any Fable game is going to be inherently less broy than this is. <laughs> I hope so. Um, also, like let's not. Pretend that Fables always had the greatest story in the yeah, world. No, 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 like, yeah. Peter Molyneux, I mean, hardly any part of that franchise has ever lived up to his expectations or his no. his flirtations no. with well, whatever it... In part because he it wasn't his thing. It was, yeah. you know, the, the, the big blue box guys were, were doing that that had gotten swallowed up by Lionhead, and he was trying to make the uh, that Milo thing yeah. most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> which was a total disaster. Yep. Like a lot of stuff that he ended up working on, unfortunately. It always sounded good until you played it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, no, this is great. Like, absolutely exactly what it should have been. Um, I don't really have any... I don't have anything bad to say about it. Yeah. The soundtrack's great. Like, probably the you best... You really have to nitpick to Yeah, probably something. the best soundtrack of uh, of the series so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, outside of just, like, if you can get... A, if you can get around the tone of the of the cutscenes and the voice acting, there's nothing... There's no other downside to this thing. Yeah. And they are more prevalent than one would want. They are. Um, and it's just, you know, there are little things where it's just like, okay, re- like... It's interesting, because I was talking about how, like, you know, you just show up and steal people's old junker cars out of these barns yeah. you find. Um, it's interesting how, like... The cars you find are all, at least so far, all couched as like, oh, this was my uncle's car from back when he used to race back in the day. And like you restore the car and like, oh, my uncle was so happy to see this. And he says, take good care of it. I'm like, okay, so you're trying to frame it as like we are not not stealing cars. We're sort of discovering relics from the races of the past. Did they do that in the prior ones? No, it was much more just like, here's a thing. Oh, look at this thing we found. Yeah, we just looted England for all of its classic, (laughs) which to be fair, England had it coming. Like if... You've been to a museum over there. Like, <laughs> we can take some. We can take a Corvette that somebody left in a barn in England. We're, we're good. But like, <laughs> but this feels a little more. Also, uh, you you mentioned the thing about like racing through ruins and how that felt weird. I don't know if you noticed, but at the beginning with all the text at the beginning, the ruins and archaeological sites in this game are licensed by the Mexico like Department of like Antiquities or whatever. Wow. Like, so they actually did license those and and approve them through the Mexican government. Well, if Mexico's cool, so with Mexico's it, cool I'm with cool it. I'm cool with it. All right. Yeah. Problem solved. Uh, so there you go. That's for and they're very well recreated. Those those are cool areas. Yeah, there. they are. 
Uh, that's finally now we can say two thumbs up. Yeah. The Forts of Horizon Which 5. is probably why you can't destroy anything in those areas, <laughs> right? Like, you can't knock yeah. over any, like... And we should have mentioned last week that there is no vehicle damage in this. I mean, um, there is. You dent them, but they don't have... They performance. Don't the yeah, performance. it doesn't imp- yeah. impact performance. You just Which ruin the look of the car. No, like, it's an arcade racer. Comments on the episode, people are like, "Oh, you didn't bring up. There's no damage, and it doesn't affect performance." I don't want that no, in this. Never has had that. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't. I don't, I don't want, want, want that it. in Horizon. Yeah. I want it in Motorsport, but I don't want it in Horizon. But we, we I should have brought it up. I, that was my fault. So I do apologize for not mentioning that. Um, that is important to a lot of people who are figuring out whether they want to buy a driving game or not. So, for the record, damage does not affect the performance of your car at all. Just so you know before you head on in there. But both of us, would you recommend buying it at full price Absol- as well? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't even need to just get it on Game Pass. Like, it's worth paying for. Yeah, I, I'm entirely happy to have paid for it. Yep. Okay. You know what time it is, people. It's time for Name That Game. Some of y'all's favorite part of Game Face every week. A quick rundown of how it works. I'll give you a bunch of clues. You need to figure out the game that I am talking about. You are trying to come up with the name of that game before Matt Kyle. The chat wins all ties. Um, So if Matt calls out the name of the game, I look over. I give you guys a couple beats to see if it pops up in the chat. I think what we found is the delay on chat on the show is not that bad. No. It actually seems pretty snappy. Um, And we will always err on the side of caution. Now, if you beat Matt, you win a set set of six sifted stickers say that quickly um and we will ship them anywhere doesn't matter where you live i just shipped some out to ireland um just shipped some out to england we've shipped to portugal we've shipped to canada we'll ship them anywhere no matter where you live we will ship them out to you so everybody can play everyone can win let me get the sound effects up here and we'll see how this one goes this is always an adventure Last week, I thought I had done a good job, and I think it was guess on the first clue. So yep. we'll see if I can do a little bit better than this one. But actually, I really should have gone with my instinct on that one. I, that was my first response was eco. Yeah. But you said case, and I thought you were doing, being clever. I threw you off. Yeah. Intentionally. But not the it, chat. It the chat, <laughs> the chat they, didn't get, they didn't get it. Maybe the, the, the chat got it so easily, he wrote it upside down. <laughs> he did, right. Yeah. And then he wrote it right side up and yeah. still pretty much got it. Uh, Schneeky says the delay on the TV app is awful. Okay. That's always true. But he won. Sneaky won. He did win one, yeah. a couple weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, Sneaky, did you get your stickers? You should have got them. They were sent out a while ago. People are already guessing. I'm just saying, saying words. Code yeah. Vein. <laughs> Code Vein is too shadow. recent. All right. If you keep doing this, we're going to, minority, we're going to just disqualify you from winning. And I won't say if the games that you're guessing are actually right or not. He says not yet. Okay. Yeah, Ireland's a ways away. <laughs> I think everyone's counting. People guess Body Harvest all the time. I think people mm-hmm. are counting on me someday. Yeah, one day they think you're going to pick Body Harvest. <laughs> that would be stupid, though, because Body Harvest is one of my favorite N64 games. Yeah, so. You get it right away. Yep. Yep. And that plays into it as well. So, all right, we're ready. Again. Yeah, you already made the mistake. What was the one that I was one of my... Oh, uh... It was one of those games, so some game that was, like, was one of my favorites. was The Darkness. It was... No, it was one that was, like, one of my favorites, and you didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, too human. Yeah. Too human. And you guessed it on the first yeah. clue. Yeah. Let's hope that doesn't happen this week. Okay, you guys all ready? Here we go. The first clue. And now that I'm reading this, somebody may get it. <laughs> it's so weird writing these like in my office and then coming in here and sitting down with you and the chat next to me. Sometimes the clues read differently. Mm. And suddenly I'm like, oh, that's terrible. 
<laughs> we'll see how this goes. Okay. First clue. Two animals are better than one, even if one of them is fictional. Two animals are better than one, even if one of them is fictional. Hmm. Hear that ticking clock? You can't hear it, but they can. Interesting. Dead Saber, not Okami. Sneaky, not Viva Pinata. Actually, Sneaky, don't play. You just, <laughs> <you> just won. <laughs> Sorry, man. You can keep guessing, but I'm just not going to say whether your guesses are right or not. We want to like make sure people have a chance to win. Yeah, the the thing that first came to mind, but it doesn't work because it's not they're not fictional. Is that one game? I can't remember the name of it, but it's like the it was a PS2 game with like a, a, an experimental two experiment experiment animals like a rabbit and something else. And they were attached by a tether. Oh, you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do remember that. What is that game? Yeah, it wasn't that. It's not. But you. That's I, not it. I can see the cover in my yeah, head. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But someone, someone in the chat knows it. Ratchet and Clank, no. Banjo, no. 60 Minutes, no. Sly Cooper, no. Enslaved, no. Good guess, though. Jack and Daxter, no. Klonoa, no. These are all good guesses, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sneaky says if he won, he was going to donate his tickers. Cool, man. Cookie and Cream. Mm, yep, that's, that's the a... game you're talking about. No, it's not. No? no Cookie and Cream was a was a was like a platformer kind of thing this is this was like weirder and more extreme like it was like like the it was like the rat they were ex, like they were escaped experiment animals oh. like and they were like yeah it was uh it was it's like the cover is like a like a the, the rat the rabbit is like real rundown like it's oh, okay all right nobody got it bloody roar no knuckles chaotix no yeah i don't really have a guess on that one okay here comes the next clue we made it past the first clue hallelujah you may have forgotten about me but Netflix did not. Hmm. You may have forgotten about me, but Netflix did not. All right, let's see if we can get any any guesses here from the chat. Oh, I should have brought the chat up here so people can see. Sonic, no. Yeah, there's no Sonic Netflix show. Yeah, is there? No, no. I guess there isn't. Sonic's too big for that, man. He's in the movies. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on Netflix. Whack foo? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Bandersnatch. Nope. Nope. Okay. That clue didn't seem to tip anyone off. Let's go to the third clue. This one might do it. Open world action RPGs are common now, but they were not then. Hmm. Open world action RPGs are common now, but they weren't then. The next clue is going to give it away. So you guys better hope that you get it before the next one. Because it's going to be a race, I think, for the next clue. Open world action RPGs are common now, but they weren't then. (laughs) People are saying the ticking clock's really loud. I love that. (laughs) Oh, that's it. Not sir, got it. Dragon's Dogma. Oh. Yep. That's it. Not Cirque is our winner. Good job, man. Here's the next two clues, and this one would have definitely given it away. It's nothing like chess, but it has something in common. Would that have tipped it off? I don't for get you? any of these clues. The pawn system. Oh. That was their its big hook. Two animals are better than one. Is there a Even Netflix one of them show about this? Dragon Dogma. Right. Um, you may have forgotten about me, but Netflix didn't. There was a Dragon's Dogma show last year, last I, September, I, didn't know that. I think. 
Open world action RPGs are common now. They weren't then because the game came out like 11 years ago. It's nothing like chess, but it has something in common, the pawn system. Um, And then the final clue was, after almost a decade, it's rumored that Capcom is finally working on a sequel. And I figured Capcom would have tipped it off at that point. So, wow, we made it to like the third or fourth clue for once. Awesome. Not Cirque. Congratulations. Here's a round of applause for you, my brother. As always, reach out to us here on Twitch. You can DM us here. You can DM me on Twitter. I am at Dinfire. You can DM Sifted on Twitter at Sifted Games. You can DM me on Sifted at Shane. Or you can send us a message on Patreon, however you want to do it. Uh, we'll be waiting, and we'll ship them out to you as soon as possible. Congratulations. Not Sir says his dad watched Dragon's Dogma on Netflix. Hmm. And that's how it works. You make connect those dots, and there you go. So, And JM Rain, thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Perfect timing for that. Let's do Q&A. But I can only, we can only answer like one or two questions max, unfortunately, because we're already way over uh, on this episode. If any of you guys have any questions for us very quickly, get them in. Uh, start running through some of our promo here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, if you want to follow Matt or I on Twitter, I am at Dinfire. Matt is at mkyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. Hit him up. Also head to patreon.com slash sifted and support us. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, giving you three hours of the best, most informative gaming discussion you will find anywhere in the world. And we'd appreciate it if you could pledge a dollar or two for it. That would be awesome. You can give us a dollar. You can give us a million dollars a month if you want. And I promise you, we'll spend every dollar wisely. And it will actually go into what we're doing here to make the production better for you. Um, Jam Rain, gifting those tier one subs to the masses in our chat. Another reason to make sure you show up for the live show. Justin Horman, thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Um, Derek D111, which game coming out in spring 2022 needs to be delayed to summer? Too many good games all at once. My pick would be Saints Row because I want to play it, but won't have time. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, Saints Row is a pretty good one. Saints Row is something I don't need to prioritize, but I do want to play. Yeah. And I do think that it would maybe be the one that falls by the wayside compared to all the other things coming out in February. Yeah. I think you nailed it with your first pick. (laughs) Good job. Um, Leo Charles, somebody that I don't think we've ever ever answered a question from before. How you doing, Leo, man? Thanks for checking out Game Face live on Twitch. His question is, or her question, have you guys seen the footage of Lies of P? It's like Bloodborne, but Pinocchio. It looks so (laughs) great. I did not watch it. I saw it on Sifted yesterday, Mm. and I saw a lot of, there was like a bunch of likes or a bunch of one-ups and a bunch of comments, and I should have watched it, and I did not. I was just too busy trying to squeeze all this stuff in. And as it ended up, I screwed up anyway and didn't have B-roll for the multiplayer of Call of Duty Vanguard, so... I really dropped the ball. Um, yeah. Did, did you watch it, Matt? No. Well, I guess we'll both have to go check it out. Thanks for the recommendation, though. Um, Sneaky, do you think Nintendo will need, needs to hurry up with the Switch Pro? I don't think the Switch Pro exists. It would be so easy to make. that It's hard for me to say it doesn't exist, because I feel like you could like make it tomorrow, really. Then why didn't they? Yeah. Um, maybe the better question is, do you think there's going to be a Switch Pro, or do you think there's going to be another console? I think it's just going to be the next, whatever the next console is. I think at this point, the Switch is getting long in the tooth, and I think that's the right move. 
just screw the mid-cycle upgrade and just go straight to the next one. Obviously, making sure that yeah. it's Although backwards to, compatible right. still. Although, to be fair, whatever they announce as the next system, we're going to be like, this is not enough of a leap to be a new system. It might should have been the Switch Pro. Yeah. That's my prediction, is that whatever they announce as the next system is going to feel like it should have been the Switch Pro and not Switch 2 or whatever it is. Okay. Or the Super so Switch. You're saying people will end up being disappointed yes. in it. It, it will not be, be a power a leap. Up. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like. But a they'll PS4. call it like yeah, they'll call it like a super <laughs> switch or something right. for for a, a bigger retail punch. Yeah. Um, is that saber? When do you plan to ask for more Pactor Factor questions? I think. Well, I'll be cutting an episode starting tonight and then tomorrow. I think the last time I looked at our list of questions, we had like eight left. That'll usually get us through two weeks, roughly. Um, so in a couple of weeks. And um, obviously, the next round of episodes we shoot with Pactor are going to be the last episodes for the rest of the year. Um, so there will be Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff in there. Um, so make sure you ask him about stuff like that, about his Thanksgiving or about his Christmas, when we do ask for the questions. Um, as always, we'll ask for questions from Pactor Factor on our Twitter feed, at Sifted Games. Um, we'll ask for it on our YouTube channel, in the community tab of our YouTube channel. We get great questions from there. We'll ask for them on Patreon. Anyone who pledges on our Patreon, their questions get priority as far as making them into the show. And then we'll ask for them on Sifted as well. You really can't miss it, but somehow people always do. I don't I don't know what else we can do, but it's like it's everywhere. We plaster it everywhere when we ask for new questions, and still people miss them. Like, I don't know. We do our best. We do the best we can. Uh, let's see. Maybe we'll take one more before we head on out. It'll be nice to have a full week to prepare for the next episode. I will say that. Because this was a rush getting this episode done. I didn't think I was going to do it, and I kind of didn't. I failed in some ways. Um, Drifter J, I don't see you asking questions very often, so we'll get to one of yours. Matt, do you think a Babylon 5 game done like Star Wars Squadrons is possible with the new show coming out? Uh, I mean, anything's possible, but this is Warner Brothers, and they don't get stuff done timely, and they are barely putting enough money towards the Babylon 5 uh, new show to really get it even made. I can't, don't see them going in on a multimedia synergy with Babylon 5. Um, I, would like, I would like that. I would play it, but I don't think that's going to happen. And to refresh everyone's memory, what is Babylon 5 again? Babylon 5 is a, uh, a sci-fi show from the 90s uh, that was um, predates Deep Space Nine, I believe. But it was by, it's by James Straczynski, who did a uh, bunch of good stuff, including Real Ghostbusters and the original He-Man. Um, it is the greatest science fiction uh, serial serialized show ever put on television, uh, better than all Star Trek. Um it is. It was a planned five-year show. It was a. It only. It went five years, but originally went four. They were going to cancel after four, so they crammed the last two years worth of story into one season, and it was amazing. So the ratings went up, and they got a fifth season, and they had to make up another year of stories to <laughs> fill the, the sudden year, the extra extra year they got, uh, and it wasn't amazing. Yeah. But that that first part that it's it's you know it was from '93 to I think '98. Uh, with the C- with CG effects, which have aged just about as well as you think they have, <laughs> um, but it's great. It's it's great, great science fiction um, with with a lot of uh, insight and uh, human condition commentary. Um, and they have you know, for a long time it was disappeared, and you know they couldn't even get a decent like you know remaster of it. But they uh, they they are letting JMS do a new show. And so it's not going to be a sequel. It's not going to be a remake. It is a new series in the world. Okay. Uh, no one knows if the events of the original show are going to be canon to it, but we'll see. But it's a, it's an exciting idea. And in uh, Babylon 5, there are 
there's a lot of starship combat, like space fighter combat, but the the fighters are done um, with the, an eye to Newtonian physics. So uh, what the Star Furies they're called, and what they do is they they will actually you know accelerate towards a target and then turn their boosters off and then turn themselves sideways so they broadside it as they use the oh. inertia because there's no you know inertia never gets changed in space so they. You know, they're still going as fast as they were because that's space, zero gravity. But they just point themselves towards the target and just pepper it on oh. the way through. So dogfights and, and attack runs are completely different than what you'd see in, like, a Star Wars where they sort of are just flying like normal planes in an atmosphere. Gotcha. Um, it's trying to take into account how you would do that in zero-G. Okay. Um, I believe all five seasons are streaming on Amazon uh, if you want to check them out. I will warn you that they are from, you know, they, the first season is... You can kind of see the cardboard and the sets. It's a little like watching high school yeah. theater at times, uh-huh. but it does get very good. Like there's a yeah. point at which you're sort of like you realize that oh, it's it starts out as sort of an episodic like oh they solve a problem every hour of the show sort of thing, and then yeah. an episode comes along late in the first season where they don't solve it, and you're like, oh, this is never going to be the same again, and it isn't. Okay, it's it's great if you can get past the you know quarter century old production values. Because uh, it did air, I believe, on UPN or, or not UPN. It was that was Star Trek. It was um, some maybe it was TNT. I don't remember what third tier cable network it aired on, but it was, <laughs> it was it, it's they, they were working with what they got. Yeah, okay, uh, it's really good. Liberal hack. Thank you for gifting subs to a ton of people in our chat. That is flipping awesome. Thanks to everybody for showing up live on the show today. We're here, and we should be for the rest of the year now. Here every Tuesday. At 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. I killed myself to get back on this schedule, but we're here now, and we should be good for the rest of the year. Um, again, we only have like four episodes of Game Face left, five episodes, and then our Game of the Year episode uh, to cap off the uh, the year before the holiday season comes up. Um, and we'll be here, ready to rock it, ready to talk to you about the biggest games and stories as we close out 2021. As I said earlier, you can find me on Twitter, at mm-hmm. Dinfire. You can find Matt at M. Kyle. That's M K E I L. You can find Sifted at Sifted Games. And head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S I F T D without the E. And please drop us a pledge. Um, it was good to see that our Patreon did bump back up a little bit from where we were sitting at last week's episode. We need a lot more people, that's for sure, especially the holidays coming up and everything. Obviously, just like everybody, our expenses go up. Um, I'm going to be heading home for Christmas for the first time in two years so pretty excited about that anyway much love to all you guys everyone have a great week game face is up and out